Drop Is this the fucking mic? This is exactly what I should be doing. What's up and welcome to this week's special episode of The Drop, your weekly source for all things NFT and crypto art, as well as upcoming drops by notable people in the MoGraph industry. I'm Matt Milstead, joined by my co-host, of course, Mr. Dave Koss, and we've got a whole slew of people joining us today. Um Creators, collectors, and all of the above. Uh, starting off, we've got Octane Jesus himself, Mr. David Ariev. We've What's got that? collector extraordinaire, Mr. Peter <laughs> Costi. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. And another amazing NFT artist. Uh, just don't uh, uh, say that he's ripping off Five Nights at Freddy's because he's not. He <laughs> changed it enough to where it looks different. <laughs> Mr. Luis Miranda. Hey. <laughs> Hey. Welcome everyone. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this week. You know, I'm I'm really excited, uh, uh, Peter, to have you specifically on the show, because you know, I I I you and I I think share a common bond as you know fellow collectors. You know, I I have way too many toys in my life, and once this started, I got the bug, and I started collecting a lot, and then I ran out of money, you know, and so... <laughs> Matt, before you got on <laughs> Skype, I was telling too. him that, that I think the two of y'all are going to have a lot to talk about tonight, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. We're just going to bounce so, off each other. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you guys can just go ahead and, you know, finish your dinner or whatever, we'll just chill, <laughs> right? you know? Yeah. We'll talk Matt, about that. I would and how... like to be included in the collector club. All right, I've I've <laughs> spent hundred k. I've spent hundred grand <laughs> on an NFT. All right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is a ridiculous amount of money. It is indeed. Yeah. Yep. But uh, <laughs> you sold one piece for about a hundred grand, don't you? Isn't that your? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, Matt did. Matt did. I Matt sold one for hundred ninety-five thousand dollars. So, but I only made. So here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. You know, I like. Yeah, I mean that that was great. That was that it was life changing. It was life changing because I was basically able to pay off my debt, you know. But yeah, that that is the most depressing part is that I just paid off my debt and I made one hundred ninety five thousand dollars and now I have no money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hey, so, better than I have being in debt. So better than that's being in better debt. Yeah. Better than being in debt. Hundred. That's what that's what college will do for you. It'll make you have to buy a Beeple NFT and sell it. Yeah. You know, in order to afford college. And speaking of which, I think this would be a good icebreaker. Let's let's talk about that Beeple. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Let's let's talk about Beeple. So uh coming up this weekend, Beeple's got a big drop. Starting tomorrow, uh Dave, I don't know if you're able to bring it up it on, on Nifty, Nifty or what. Yeah, actually, um let me see, because I've always got my Nifty up. Twenty four seven. Uh yeah, I do, really, I do. Um so Gotta the get people's those one dollar drops, summer... bro. There's a cheap right, right, right. Yeah, makers, <laughs> one dollar drops. <laughs> the People Spring Summer Collection 2021. It's the and then there's a bunch Spring of like... Summer Collection 2021. <laughs> Sorry, uh, man. If you've seen any of the the cool boxes that he's got with these, they look so rad. Yes, like yeah. I just I, when he opens the box and yeah, all the lights right start there. like going oh, all so in rad. cycles and stuff. Yeah. It's so cool. Great, I, great, great I, UX, man. Great UX. Mm -hmm. totally. I don't know if he did that, if he designed all that himself, or if, if he's got like nifty helping with the whole delivery process. But yeah, man, they're pretty cool. Yeah. 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 I feel like he had a, a large hand in it, but obviously, like, he's definitely got the cash now to like make whatever he wants, whatever his right. vision happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was as well. Yeah. 
I was chatting with him, like, when after, oh, okay, nice cars going by, that's cool. Sorry, that was um, my bad. <laughs> um, I was chatting with him after the drop in December, you know, and I was like, man, what is the, what is, because, you know, his original ones were $969 for those open editions, and I was like, what's your profit margin, like, how much, how much does it cost for those boxes, and he was telling me it cost about four to five hundred dollars per box you know wow so he really yeah. wasn't making that much on the open editions you know it was the single editions where he was making a lot mm. of money so i i mean i think some of these were expecting to go for a fair amount of money you know which will make up for the i bet $1 he made more options. than that just on the secondary seal the sales i bet that, sure. like because you don't think about that I mean, yeah, yeah uh, totally. I mean, mine was so. For example, you know, he made ten percent of my sales, so he made nineteen thousand five hundred dollars just off mm. of the sale that I did. You know, yeah. which more than covers like almost all of them. <laughs> but I think that's a genius. I think that's a genius part of the the marketing thing that he's done with these raffles and whatnot because. On one end, you, you, you come across as like giving, and you are, you're giving back to the community, you're mm-hmm. changing lives, but you're also guaranteed resales at some point, and those resales mm-hmm. are going to be huge. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant idea, and I, t- I, th- I see Pac doing the same thing as well. I think he'll eventually do the mm-hmm. same thing. I think anyone that breaks into that real upper echelon of, of you know, multi-million dollar sale category will mm-hmm. do it because, A, it helps the community, and you're giving back, and you're pretty much guaranteed to get a trickle-down effect of secondary sales anyway. Totally. Yeah. I agree. And, you know, the, the, I was going to say something, and now I don't remember what it is. Yeah, on secondary so, sales for Into the Ether alone, he's made 270000 because there's been two million, just on Nifty, there's been 2700000 So that's just one of the three open editions from that first drop. So I imagine he's made, you know, <clears throat> probably close to, very close to a million dollars just on secondary yeah. sales from those three. Yeah, <clears throat> that's awesome. You know, and uh, here's the thing, like, so when, when I, uh, you know, Mike and I were talking, like, you know, for a couple days before mine actually sold, you know, because I told him I listed it, I felt bad for listing it, you know, because the whole thing was I wanted to support him, and I still do, you know, but it's like, if I had this opportunity, I was going to take it. Dude, but you he had to like, pay off totally, yeah. yeah, dude, he was totally understandable. And, like, actually, he was the first person to text me because he got an email notification <laughs> as well that it had sold. Mm-hmm. And he hit me up. He's like, dude, you just made $195,000. Bro, 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 yeah, bro, you just made $195,000. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, he, even though his Christie's drop was the very next day, he was he he told me he said he said I think I'm more excited for you than I am for that the Christie's drop that's tomorrow. Awesome, man. tomorrow. That's well, I mean then so he sweet. you know then it was sixty nine million dollars the next then day. Then he was right. Right. I was out of his mind, I'm sure. Yeah. But you know, he it's forgot like, about that's you real quick. Thing. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's. He's changing people's lives, you know, yeah, for those people absolutely. who can get these, that is 100% life-changing. It was life-changing for me. My, in, um, there, is a, there is a point in time, like, where my life split off from <laughs> after I, from when I sold that Beeple. Free Beeple. Yeah. Schrodinger's Beeple. Schrodinger's Beeple, yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about this new drop coming up, guys. So, so, you know, from what I know, drop- it's, it's 1 to 100. You had to be one, under 100. I, I actually Under so 100? I I'm I I, I feel bad because I, I don't know any of the details on how you get some of oh, them. Oh, I thought you were looking it up. Well, for one of for one of the sets of one hundred, you have to already own a Beeple. So I'm very excited about that because that right. gives us like a one in ten chance or so 
given that there's probably a thousand beeples out in the wild right now. Okay. I mean, me that's, but that's assuming that everyone's going to take their beeples back onto Nifty to try to get this. I mean, they probably will, right. but yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll so not, you'll be mad not I've, to dude. Yeah. I've got, dang it. So he posted this. Let me see if he posted it on Twitter. Cause I think he did. Oh, so my one. understanding was there are five editions of 100. Um, I think three of them are just open to the public, so they're they're all raffles. Uh, and then he's got a bunch of single editions as well, or and there then a, f- a couple yeah. editions of three. Yes. So right. tomorrow, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern, there is a $1 r- raffle edition of 100. It requires a correct quiz answer. Oh, that's answer. right. That's awesome. So I don't... And and yeah yeah so I don't know what that one's about. Um, at eight p.m. there's a one dollar raffle edition of one hundred with a one minute time limit. So, wow. Yeah. With the questions, um, that, I wonder what the what the how long that's going to go. My guess would be like you know forty five minutes like the other drawings, but like yeah for the one minute one, I it's I hard to know. imagine Nifty not crashing. Like even though they've upgraded Nifty all their servers, that's exactly crash. what I was going to say, man. I'm just hoping mm-hmm. that Nifty doesn't crash because yeah. every it will single- crash. Every it guy and his dog are going to be on there trying to answer this quiz. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks they're a genius, and it's just yep. going to, yeah. yeah. I'll be surprised yeah. if it doesn't crash. I wonder I, what the quiz, que- I yeah. wonder if you can answer the quiz questions multiple times, or if you, you know, if you miss it, you're just screwed. You fucking oh, misspell, yeah. you, you misspell the word and you're fucked. Yeah. Yep. Right? <laughs> Wrong. You just get like people. Sorry, the answer was meeple, like, not people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, 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 you didn't say the magic seen, word. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um, I, I yeah, and I'm curious how this uh, correct question is. Is it like because like you know for his friends who know him really well, like is this going to be a personal question? Like you know what is his favorite beer? Because that's easy. All of us know yeah. that, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some form of piss beer. I don't know. So like Miller Light or something. Corona. No, it's Corona. Corona. It's Corona. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, but I don't know, like, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Oh, they've so already Saturday. got the drop schedule up. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, there's a $1 raffle of 100 You also have to uh, answer quiz questions on that one. Um, that is the one with the Elon Musk with the giant package uh, walking the Doge dog. Mm-hmm. Like you do. I'm, I'm really excited. I think I think the uh, so at seven p.m. there's an edition of one. It's the one called Hey, where it's got the uh, the the fat Buzz Lightyear uh, sitting on the inflatable dogs or the inflatable balloon dog statue. I think that one's gonna go for a lot because that one happened like two days after the Christie drop, you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like he like that one is almost iconic to me, you know. Quick bets. How do you think? How much do you think each single edition is going to go for? Oh, that's like, a good idea. Yeah, each single edition. Well, yeah, four hundred k plus. But like, there was one that on Earth Day or not Earth Day uh, for that Open Earth Foundation that went for what six million? Six million. Five, yeah, yeah, six million. Wow. So I wonder how close these will get to that. Hmm. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Yeah. And to think that some of those single editions from that original drop went for like. Seventy-five thousand dollars, or whatever. Yeah, that was a steal, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. that was a steal, Little did you know? we know. Yeah. Little did we know we should have put together <laughs> some money in? You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if 
this goes higher than the six million because of the space, because of where the NFT yeah. space is at the moment, right? right? So yeah. right. I do think that there's been a bit of a blip on the radar. Um, there's been like a slight correction and a pullback in not so much interest, but in in sort of momentum, I would say. Mm. Um, so true. it's going to be interesting if people still va- like. Obviously, everyone values people's work is amazing, but if it's still going to have as many people bidding to that extent and willing to give up that much ether considering the right. current price. Yeah, did we hit the peak? Like, I foolishly yeah. bought a bunch of B20 coin the night of his auction, and that's <laughs> when it was the peak. And since then, yeah. it's gone down, like, from, like, $20 down to, like, a few dollars. Yeah, so I lost, cool. like, I don't know, a grand on that. But whatever. But, like, yeah. you know, it's... So run me through I'm, what I'm very does at, again, dude. Just run me through what B20 does. Well, it's just, um, it's so Medicoven, you know, fractioned yeah. off all of those 20 artworks that um, he collected, and then turned it into a cryptocurrency. So it's just a, it's basically like investing in Beeple. It's a Beeple cryptocurrency. You can get it through Uniswap. You just swap to it. Yeah. Um, so does, yeah. that's a good question. I, I, does he still, do, I mean, if you're, if you're fracturing him off and uh, does he still own that? He owns that, some part of B20 because he was given some part of B20, but mostly it's owned by Medicoven. Okay. Oh. Right, right, right. But, so does so Medicoven doesn't technically own the entire single pieces no anymore, way. does he? No. Since he fractured them, is that correct? Yes, not. So then, th- would yes. they have to vote? Would that be like a DAO? Would they have to vote on sales, for example? Or can I don't exactly sell? know how yeah. it works. I'm not really yeah. a crypto expert. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. I'll definitely look. I'll look into that for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So there's another team that are doing a similar thing as well. Like the Blackpool team are doing a, a NFT hedge fund. Which is which sounds mm. similar to what these guys are doing, where everyday people can kind of chip in their their, their ETH, and then you get a pool of funds and purchase, you know, not just artwork but also yield bearing assets. So you've got like hash mass, a whole bunch of other stuff, and mm. um, you know, obviously the yield that comes so rare. Have you guys heard of so rare as well? No, no. So like they're like football cards and baseball cards yeah. and a whole bunch of yeah, other yeah. cards. Pretty much, yeah. if okay, the player yeah. does well in real life, you kind of you get a yield for that card if you mm-hmm. own that NFT. Um, I gotcha. So, oh, okay. yeah, much yeah so there's a lot there, of stuff going on like that right now. Like BitClout's another big one where, you know, you're literally just investing directly into a specific person thinking yeah. that they'll grow in their so- social media following or whatever it is. Like 888's on BitClout and people have been investing in him and stuff. So That's so funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's weird. So there's, a, there's, there's something similar that is actually like with real life non- NFT stuff, like for example, it's it's a uh, I don't I don't know what the website is called. A buddy of mine was showing me the other day, but basically they had a first edition holographic uh, uh, Charizard card, oh, you know, big that was uh, big, mint big ten. Dollars. Yeah, the big dollar one, right? Exactly. Yeah, and what they were doing was they were auctioning off or like selling ten dollar shares of it up to like $300,000 or something like what? that. That's and so ridiculous. and then like after like a month you can buy and sell those shares from other people and own a certain amount of that one particular Charizard, Charizard card. That's and insane. You Charizard. Ridiculous. I had so I had a Charizard a holographic Charizard card but not first edition. I oh, probably okay. not yeah, so not not not. I think they're one. still worth something, you know. Yeah, hey, I don't like know. Like, like hundred bucks, yeah, like whatever. Right. I don't even know where it is anymore. Yeah. <laughs> was it uh, in but mint condition or was it all scratched up? It was up? the exci- most exciting thing that had ever happened in my life. 
you know, <laughs> was pulling I was that like, that I was like 13 or 14 and we went to, to, to Toys R Us. I was like 26, 27. And it was amazing. It was, <laughs> it was last, last weekend. weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was last week. <laughs> but see, see what you guys were talking about there with like fractional NFTs, like purchasing mm-hmm. a fraction of the Charizard and, and whatnot. Like, I really think that's, that's going to be the future too with many things like, you know, houses, yeah. purchasing property. Um, we're talking, you know, on a long enough timeline. You know, you won't, if you wanted yeah. to buy an investment property, you'll have it as an NFT and you'll have yeah. a pool of people that own a portion of that. So if that property ever gets sold, you'll, you'll mm-hmm. get your proportional dividends on that property. And yeah. I think that's where we're it's interesting. I mean, where that's, that's, uh, there's lots of investment companies in, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the US, that's, that's exactly it. You know, yeah, deep, they'll find a house and several people will work together in order to, you know, spiff it up, put it on the market or whatever. And then they split the shares. You know, yeah, or the is, they rent it out. You can do it with someone else on the other side of the world. So now, if right, you do right. want to do it with me, man, we just contribute an X amount of ETH. We purchase that NFT, um, mm-hmm. and then whenever that place gets rented, we get a dividend divided between us, depending on our portion of the NFT. That's and wow. if it gets, that's exactly what's going, to, and that's going to happen with with everything, man. Like when we start mm-hmm. thinking about the implications, you know, artwork will become, you know, it's already started. You can see even with the collectibles, the Charizard card was a good example, mm-hmm. but. Um, because yeah, it's ultimate it, proof that that is the that's of right. ownership, and it's immediate. You know, it's through that's through the internet, and like, yeah, it's it's crazy. Deeds to houses are all going to be, you know, NFTs. Yeah, mm-hmm. health data is going to be NFTs. Um, all yeah. that stuff is going to be NFTs, man. It's going to be interesting to see, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the the future of NFTs are super bright, super bright. Yeah, um, I do see then, the correction. The correction. Why the do you think? Thing. Why do you think that there's such a downturn at the moment? Is it just the explosion of all the artists entering the scene and oversaturation? Yes. Is it? Yes. I'm asking Peter, Matt. <laughs> I know, but I'm saying I'm I'm saying yes. Because he's got he's got some interesting. He, like before the show, we were talking, and he said he thinks it's because the price of ETH is rising. And to me, that's super counterintuitive. That because mm-hmm. you know, like people was saying, like, well, if ETH crashes, that can kind of rain on all of our parade. Uh, and make it so that collectors don't have enough money to purchase these things because most collectors are in crypto, right? Mm-hmm. So how is yeah. it that the price of ETH rising can put a damper on the whole NFT scene? It's a psychological barrier. So if you think about it, unless you're in like that multi-thousand dollar ETH category, which is you know a very, very small portion of the population, you're always going to calculate things back to USD. So as the value goes up, right, if you've minted your piece at say 10 ETH a month ago we've made a nearly a 30% gain in a month on ETH mm-hmm. that's a parabolic mm-hmm. rise so now you're talking about you know ten, potentially tens of thousands more in value for the same piece and unless you are in that category of person that has ten, you know, a thousand ETH, two thousand ETH plus sitting in your wallet you are going to convert that whether you realize it or not subconsciously you're going to say well that's a six months worth of rent that's that's the repayment on my mortgage that's you're going to mm-hmm. do those mathematics and you're going to be you, this is why i believe the future is you know you kind of have a usd equivalent when you post it and then you have an option to pay with either usd stable coin or ether to the equivalent mm-hmm. value because then you're you're avoiding that that discrepancy and, and people are always going to hesitate when they've got an asset like ETH that's potentially going to go up another, you know, 8,000 plus, you know, based mm-hmm. on my projections. Anyway, if you're telling me to pay 25 ETH for your piece as a collector, I'm going to hesitate. I'm going to hesitate because yeah. especially when it's moving up this quick, when it's moving mm-hmm. up this quick. Now, if mm-hmm. you go back a month ago, it was 
kind of balancing out. It was very, it was, it was moving, but it would, it would retrace a bit, and it was, it was very level. So the, it's a, it's a combination of many things, many variables ticking off. So it's a saturation of the market, which, which Matt said, and I, I agree with. Yeah. Like way too mm-hmm. many people here in the market trying to cash in. A lot of these are celebrities as well. Um, which uh, mm-hmm. for me, I think is not cool. Like I don't like yeah. that uh, every celebrity and the dog is trying to cash in on this NFT thing. Um, right. But so you've got the saturation and then you've got this parabolic rise in ETH and all of a sudden people are hesitating to buy because they don't know if it's a better investment. So you buy it because you love, like I personally buy because I love it and I've said this to you before, mm-hmm. Dave, where you know there are some that I buy for investment you know, and at some point in the future, I'd like to make a return on. But then there's the majority would, would be 80% plus that I buy because I think they're fucking cool. Like, I like them. They right. stand out. Like, Lewis's piece, you know, I spent a bomb on Lewis's piece. And I just think that was so, <laughs> yeah. no, no, honestly, that was so, that was so fucking cool, man. That was awesome. And stuff like that's important. But that's not important to everybody. And especially mm-hmm. people that are just getting into crypto slash NFTs at all, mm-hmm. psychologically, without realizing, they're always going to convert it back to USD. Absolutely. And that's the problem. So Why you think it's wise money? for. Uh, artists to kind of adjust their prices like back like don't keep charts say you you know i've been releasing editions for 1.5 eth for instance and selling them but now that eth has risen so much i should probably adjust that down to one eth to keep my prices about the same like maybe i can push it up a bit but like keeping it at exactly the same might turn off some collectors right absolutely and i think that's where makers and nifty have to come in and they have to start be they need to integrate this option that i just spoke of where you can actually mm-hmm. have a display USDC. USDC as 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 the yeah, usdc as a staple mm-hmm. and then no matter what you do the back end should automatically calculate how much eth so if you say your piece is worth you know 20 grand which is which is great right um that always stays as a constant that's what you meant it for 20,000 usdc and then if i want to pay in eth Obviously, I can, but it'll be calculated. So it'll be less, you know, for example, yesterday since the price was lower. Mm -hmm. But can't you always go back on Maker's Place and look and see how much it was also purchased in in dollars? Like that that record is still there. Um, So you can still like see that, right? Which which helps. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I just think that in terms of of ETH at the moment, there's so much momentum behind it um, Mm -hmm. that... If you are only displaying your price in ETH, you're going to you're going to have people hesitate before making. That purchases. makes sense. Mm-hmm. And is that true? That's not true for Maker's Place, but it is true for like Super Rare and Foundation. Foundation. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. You only right. see it in ETH, yeah. right? That, is, exactly. that, that is to me has been the biggest issue, you know. And I think, see, me as like, I'm going to call myself a poor collector. That's what I. Am. <laughs> I'm a poor collector. You know, because I I have a hard time throwing. You know, I, I I've never bought a piece for over twelve hundred dollars, right? And I'm real mad about that piece because it's down to like four hundred and fifty. <laughs> but you know, I'm a poor collector. I like I don't like I can't spend a lot of money uh, on a piece. You know, without making a whole financial you know discussion with my wife first. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so. Like seeing things in ether makes it really hard for me to like one, I have to go get ether, you know, mm-hmm. then I have to convert it over, put it in my wallet, and then there's fees that come along yep. with that. And yep. then I have to purchase it. Yeah. To me, that's too much work for one. Yeah. And two, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people have their stuff priced at one ETH, which now $2,700. That's a lot of money, you know? Perfect right. Example, when I, perfect example. 
when I minted my, uh, when I minted, I, I minted like a couple pieces, you know, and I put it like, I don't know, like 0.5 ETH, right? I didn't get a sale and I was kind of upset about it, whatever, like the normal, you know, your normal artist does. But then I realized, am I just trying to do this for a cash grab or am I trying to do this to get my art out there? And for me, mm -hmm. it was all about getting the art out there. So what I did was I lowered my price to the bare minimum I could you know, which was 0.1 ETH and I ended up selling it. And that felt really good to me. Just yeah. like, I didn't care about the money, you know, for me, it was just about getting the art out there, you know, right, but as, as a poor collector, mm -hmm. you know, that's why nifty has been really easy for me because it's like one, it'll take credit cards, you know, yeah. and those yeah. open editions are like 250 mm -hmm. to 750 bucks, you yeah. know, Versus foundation yeah. where people are wanting two, three, four ETH, and I'm just like, I'm out. You, you, yeah. I'm cashed out there. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, go Nifty lower is mine Nifty is where everybody. Sorry, Nifty's its own marketplace. It's its own mm -hmm. ecosystem, <clears throat> and that's where everyone at first started flipping. And I think that's why this month it's on such a downturn. Like it's, yeah. it's <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> if you look at CryptoArt.io, for instance, in uh, February, Nifty pulled in $75 million for artists. Can we, can we get March, that up? Can someone get that up? Yeah, Dave, David, can you send that over to, yeah, to send Dave? Yeah, to me. I'll bring yeah, it sure. up. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Good call. In the dingus. We have Put it in the dingus. Fancy, fancy abilities on this podcast. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks to y'all. Next level anyway, check. Yeah. Um, so... What I was saying is that in February they sold they sold seventy five million dollars worth of art. In March that was the big explosion. They sold one hundred forty three million dollars worth of art. Wow! And now in April it's forty eight million. So that's wow. actually a big drop even from Huge, February. Man. Now Huge. now wow. other other marketplaces are doing well. For instance, Foundation February one point nine four million. March sixteen million. April 17 million foundation is the only one that's increased throughout this whole time. Now mm. foundation has also flooded the gates more and more and more. There's just, I think at this point there's like 10,000 artists on there. Perhaps I don't know mm -hmm. the exact numbers. They, they make it hard to know the exact numbers, but so that's why I still love being at maker's place because it's much harder to get in. Uh, yeah. and they, you know, it's much easier to be discovered on maker's place essentially. Yeah. yeah maker's place is, you know, is also doing a little bit better than February numbers, and Super Rare is still doing really well too. Do they so, have any numbers on Rarible? No, um, okay. and, nor Crypto uh, Crypto dot com. You know, which right. is another platform that's kind of sprung up. Um, which I, you know, I don't want to. I don't know. <laughs> so look, looking <laughs> at have the best data? experience with Crypto dot com, but um, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's it's cool. I think because Super Rare Maker's Place, um, you know, these are platforms that are catering more towards true collectors like Peter here. Versus Nifty, I think a lot a lot of the people that just jumped in because they wanted to make a cash grab and do a bunch yeah. of flipping and thought yeah. of it as like a gold mine, they've been yeah. weeded out. So now we're we're like left with the true collectors, and that's that's the interesting thing is like forming that relationship between artist and collector. Um, basically, you know, yeah, having this group of fans or people that are that have your back and vice versa that you know you're like you can Dude. gift stuff to them and like that's that's the core of what it should 100%. be 100 percent, and that's that's what needs to happen i think and it's already happening and moving forward is like attaching attaching support to that mm -hmm. nft so as a collector you know i grow a relationship with anyone i purchase art from and mm -hmm. 
seeing people i've had people send me physical editions i've had people reach out to me saying they want to collab on a piece i've had a whole bunch of things like that where you're building this relationship and i become like i'm a personal hype man for all you guys for anyone i've purchased that for you know and for the entire space um mm -hmm. and i think that's what's going to keep driving and moving forward because you will get like you said these people that just came in to flip are going to get weeded out yeah. um and i think it's moving true. forward moving Absolutely. forward reversing a little bit to what dave said as well is when you said, I oh, sorry, Matt, you said you dropped the price to zero point one ether, correct? On that sale, it's point one, I think, yeah, point one, point yeah. one, right? Yeah, so yeah, that is something I think is going to be a greater strategy, especially with places like Makers and Nifty, when you can have multi editions, mm -hmm. you're not restricted to a one of one. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a greater strategy, and if you really do believe in the long term success of NFTs, there will be a huge secondary market. So I think yeah. if you were to take a small hit on the individual sale, but increase the additions to say like a five or an eight of eight or a 10 of mm -hmm, 10, mm -hmm. um, then more people are likely to, to purchase that piece. And again, totally. you've got to- It hits a different market, uh, you know, with of collectors that don't, don't necessarily have tons of money, but do want a piece of yours. And like, I like that you said eight, an edition of eight or 10, because I feel like the days of these massive editions are over. They're like very quickly dying. Everyone sees through it on Nifty, you know, even drawings like Nifty drawings are a thing Nifty, I think did to try and make it feel like a lottery. And for a long time I was buying into the drawings until I got burned with that. And I bought a piece for $10,000 that was Diplo. And I was like, Oh, it's Diplo, you know? And yeah. so, and it was a drawing too. And I was like, and there were maybe 150 people that entered it. And so I felt like I won it because it was an edition of 20. Right. right? But then I looked at the uh, open editions and realized nobody was buying these and so mm -hmm. there, the demand wasn't there and so then i saw everyone like racing to the bottom with their prices trying to like race to the bottom you know, yeah get rid of it and I, I managed to get rid of it at a loss for i lost twenty five hundred dollars on that but like no no there have been no additional secondary sales on those pieces so mm -hmm. that was the right move i mean the right move yeah. would have been not buying it in the first place so what's that you live and learn yeah, yeah. that's how you learn exactly and uh, but even now, like drawings, like I, I was just looking on Nifty and there was one that was a drawing of like 100 for not even that much money. And it didn't even hit the, you know, full number of people. So they, they undersold that as as well. So, you know, you're I think people the are Jonathan Wolf one. Is that what you're looking at? I might have been. I don't, I don't really remember which one I was. Yeah, there were some drawings and it still had 200 remaining, <clears throat> you know, right. It's like, yeah, I mean, that's that's I, but, I you know, and I'm curious how much <clears throat> of that is actually like nifty pushing some of these artists saying hey you should offer yeah. this many you know well, or you should yeah. do thing. this I think many that artists that most artists want to make the most money and nifty wants to make the most money so it becomes a cash grab and then artists like fuck render for instance you know i've heard him expressing like oh thank god we only have that open edition open for a single minute and we sold 700 because that's a lot of additions like he he believes yeah. in scarcity but at the same time he's in a position where he's got millions of dollars at this point and he doesn't need yeah. to be going for that cash grab so that's the tricky thing and also nifty Plus, i think collectors are just pissed at nifty right now because of how they've approach this they feel like this tech company that um doesn't really care about the art so much you yeah, know I and, agree. yeah yeah, yeah. And, i feel that way for sure definitely yeah and i've yeah. heard from from you know some collector friends of mine that you know they they tried to bring people into this like their own friends that are legit art collectors and then they immediately like get burned by nifty and they're like what the fuck dude like this is my collection's worth nothing now hmm. like i've just yeah. i've got a bunch you know so it can be really frustrating. And obviously the space is changing rapidly and it's really hard to keep up with. 
Um, it's the super early days. So we're all kind of like winging it. We're all adjusting on the fly to what the current climate is, you know? And so maybe you could have sold something a month ago for a lot of money and now mm -hmm. maybe you sell it for less. But yeah. yeah, for me, I just love the ability to make art constantly and make what I want. Uh, yeah. versus, yeah. you know, working for clients. So like if I can make even the same amount of money that I was making before, but now just making art, that's a win for me. So like I'm yeah, still absolutely. in as long as I can do that. Yeah. I yeah. think the genre plays a factor too. This is where I want to go to Lewis. Um, yeah. Like I, I, def <laughs> no, I, I definitely think there's the genre, the style of art, if you had the data, you could see that there's certain genres that typically sell faster and better mm -hmm. than other genres. Um, horror is like Lewis's specialty, right? But, you know, you, you, you made a post not long ago and um, you were talking about how you struggle to see horror sales. Is that right? Yeah. Like, how do you see yeah. that? Yeah, so what was happening is uh, I noticed that um, out of the four or five that I had posted that were horror, only two of them had sold. And then I started looking around going like, are other people collecting? I even started asking collectors themselves, like, hey, are you guys... Uh, interested or what's the general consensus on this and i started noticing more and more that people weren't really seeking that stuff out and so you know it is my favorite kind of style and so that bummed me out a little bit um so my response to that whole situation was i actually started seeking artists that do har and then i tried investing in them uh, directly so that I could sort of be like the change I wanted to see in the world. Uh, but obviously I'm not a huge collector, so it's very hard for me to right. actually stimulate an entire uh, genre of art. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, I, I, gave it a, I gave it a try. But now I think pl at places like Hick and Lock, uh, uh, what's that place, Hick and Lock? Hick and Lock, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot Hick easier to collect on there it's than Latin, that genre. You know. yeah, it means something about, um, I forgot what it means. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was something that kind of like really bummed me out. And but I don't know. I still believe in genre, uh, horror as a genre, and I do think that the long-term um, uh, prospects for it are better than they are currently. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I think my opinion on that is horror is an amazing genre, and I think from a digital space, and this is where there might be a disconnect between the collector and the artist. For me personally, I love horror. I love horror movies. I love your work. I've purchased it. But personally, I prefer purchasing stuff that I can hang on my wall. And that's mm -hmm. where I think it's, it's so important to understand that, you know, as an artist, you guys are incredibly, you know, talented. But you're seeing it as, as work. You're seeing it as like, this is an amazing display of complexity of my skill set and someone else's skill set to most collectors and i look at that too definitely i look at the complexity behind a work but to most collectors are like hey this is dope this is cool i'd love to hang this on my wall and flex to my mates like right that's that's that's, that's there's the so much more in it that goes into it and I've, i have heard a lot of artists be frustrated about you know certain people selling you know things for it's like hard to understand sometimes when like Pac, for instance, sells a pixel or a uh, you know a square that's a single color, or you know there are ones there are ones I've seen on Foundation that are just very simple color gradients, but there's always a backstory. There's like yeah. you know it's like this art this artist has shown at the Louvre and whatever. Like there's you know that's or right. there's mm -hmm. there are these ones going around that are these AI pieces that are single frames, right? They're they're like AI new generated portraits, right? Mm -hmm. And they're selling for two hundred thousand dollars a pop, and it's like why 
But then you yeah. read the backstory and it's because they were some of the first NFTs ever created and they were given to an audience, I think, at some conference and almost everyone threw them away and thought they were garbage. <laughs> and so there are only maybe like 10 of them in existence. So they're extremely rare. They're some of the first NFTs. So that's why the collectors are buying them. So we don't often know why collectors are buying yeah. specific things. And a lot of artists take it personally. They're like... My art, my work is so much better and more technically, you know, See, there's so much more technical merit, but it's a different playing that's, field, that's, right? Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah, field. we were talking about this with Chad Ashley a few weeks ago. It's like, because, you know, we as artists, we know how the sausage is made, you know? <laughs> so when you see... You know, someone post a cube and all with a bunch of cloners or something in the shape of a cube. Mm -hmm. um, we know how it's done. And we know that that probably only took 15 minutes to do. Right. You know, yeah, but it like, but, like know, Peter said, it could be dope. Like, it could look cool. If Beatles you know, had that, that's then it thing. would sell. Exactly. It exactly. could be composition. There's more, there's so many things that go into it. Just like, there are different styles of art. There's trash art. There's like, you know, just shiny, like retro looking art. Um, yeah. And also collectors oftentimes kind of decide as a group, like this is valuable. And so, you know, the value is a perception. You know, it's yeah. if everybody decides this thing is really valuable, then it is. You know, uh -huh. so it's just, you have to. And so you have to get basically collectors to believe in you as an artist, believe that you're committed to the uh -huh. space, um, you know, there's also the how you communicate publicly on Twitter. You know how like uh, are you mysterious? Like Pac mm -hmm. gains a lot of clout by being mysterious. You know, so mm -hmm. there's just so many factors that go yeah. into it. There is a touch point there that Dave, you can add value as well, and I think that's where you're going to see a lot of artists take it. Like with you guys mm -hmm. and your your schools and your tutorials, um, and I think this is a great idea moving forward. I think it's going to happen inevitably you're going to see people tie additional value to their artwork. So you're going to see like, you know, an exclusive tutorial or you're going to be able to get into the school if you purchase one of these NFTs. That's and cool. then, it's, yeah. then it's no longer just a perception of value. It is now physical value because you can actually, you've got a subscription fee for your school, right? So you mm -hmm. can actually start to see where that value comes in. Totally. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, what's his name? Flamingos. Gosh, Gavin Shapiro. Gavin Shapiro. Did you know that he's stopping flamingos? He yes, is, he is. Yes. The flamingos. Yes. He's moving I mean, on to the next I, I'm sure. Right. Uh, giraffes, right? Mm -hmm. Dancing giraffes. <laughs> um, uh, no, but the uh, uh, he did something similar with his nifty uh, his nifty drop, uh, one that he did like two drops ago, where he was he was selling these open editions for like two hundred and fifty dollars of you know a scene of the the flamingos and stuff like that, and it's never yeah, ending, just those. like he does. I've got right, I've one, got one I've too. Got the, I've got the party of nine as well. Oh, do you? Yeah, 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 that one's good. Nice. Yeah, see, I bought I bought two of those. I flipped one of them. You know, I kept the other one. But they come with uh, the ability to download the project files. And mm -hmm. for the next like few weeks after that, you were able to you you saw tons of people posting. You know, from his template that he gave out, which I thought was really cool. Absolutely. You know? And another yeah, really cool, cool thing he did was um, he made it so that. Oh, I, I actually forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> totally blind. No, no, no. He made, he made it so that um, there was like a little math problem he released or something that was like, 
certain edition numbers that you had of that open edition right. would allow you to purchase another piece of his, right? Yeah, so yeah, that that cool. actually creates even more scarcity. It makes it like into a game. Um, okay. So that's something we're seeing a lot more now with someone who did a drop the other day, their big celebrity, uh, Calvin, someone, um, maybe Calvin Harris. Calvin I can't Harris. remember. Calvin yeah. Harris, yeah. Um, yeah. So they, they made it so that you could only purchase if you had a previous piece of theirs. Same thing with Fuck Render. Um, and actually, there was another edition of theirs that you could only enter the drawing if you had more than 150 nifties. 150 so these nifties. things, so 150 nifties. So <laughs> yeah, and just like with Beeple, you, you know, he's got a drop where you can only purchase if you are a Beeple holder. So he's like, that's really good because you're paying service to your collectors, the people that, you know, have supported yeah. you. Uh, and 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 it's creating more scarcity. It's making it harder to actually acquire that art. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's interesting. For sure. You would think uh, that art you 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 want it as accessible as possible, but it seems that uh, the opposite is true now, where you want to make it as difficult as possible to get, and then that's what's rising up the price. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so like, if if Gavin does something like that, then immediately those additions that are that he will, you know, gift you another uh, piece for go up in value a ton or right. other mm-hmm. people that have made this burn kind of thing where they, you know, like actually Phil Roberts, Raid Zero did a really clever thing. He was selling on Rarible, those mm-hmm. little Beeple collectible figures, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he sold out the first couple of collections immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the third collection didn't sell quite as well. So he did a burn sale and he even made a little advertisement with it where he like had fire lighting the Beeple figure on, on fire, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so he just, he was like for the net, you know, in two hours, I'm going to burn all the, you know, remaining editions that haven't been sold. And so that yeah. makes the pieces more scarce and more valuable. And the collectors love that. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. definitely like a lot that you can do in addition to just like making great art. There's a lot of like psychology that goes into it as well. Yeah, and you want to sure. like kind of really pay attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Robinson in the chat brings up um, an interesting question uh, for Peter. It says, how do you build a relationship with a collector? Uh, you guys must be getting smothered by DMs and requests. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, you know, yeah. putting yourself out there as a collector, you know, mm-hmm. it it's like especially a heavy collector, you know, 888 like, has it, like literally 5000 yeah. DMs right. at any given time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you know, it's got to be like op- like like for example, if I won the lottery and I won like a 100 million dollar lotto, and I went online and said, "Hey everyone, I won a hundred million dollar lotto." Imagine how many DMs would yeah, come yeah, to me. Right. You know, that's I can right. imagine Everybody it's probably up in your DMs. it feels the same way. Look, man, I yeah. think you just can't get around it. There's 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 no way to do it. I think it's a matter of luck and timing as well. Like if you reach out to me and I happen to be on Twitter at that time, and mm-hmm. you're at the top of the list, you're the first one there, right. and I click on it, and it's a fairly nice message it's not too over the top you're not shilling mm-hmm. you're not shilling the hell out of your work and you just provide right. a link then i'll then i'll then i'll click on it and check it out and if i like it i'll purchase it and there's no offense if i don't you know what i mean like that's mm-hmm. the problem you know i don't want anyone to be, ever be offended if if i'm not purchasing yeah. their work but i think you, you're just gonna have to roll the dice and there's nothing wrong with reaching out but don't spend like two hours of your day just scrolling through twitter reaching out to a thousand mm-hmm. different collectors and just sending them because bad look honestly it, it can is. get your, your reputation really damaged if you're just directly shilling it's important to like start a relate with most like most people treat them as humans like 
talk to them first and if it organically comes up that you show them your work cool but like don't just like like the the incessant like foundation invite begging it's just yeah, like that sure. but yeah. but for collectors you know it's like the constant shilling and it's hilarious to see the threads on twitter where people aren't even reading what the subject is like there are people that will just troll everyone by being like show me your collectors rather than show me your your nfts and people yeah. don't even read they just start mm -hmm. posting all their art like like hundreds <laughs> of comments you know mm -hmm. as if that does anything I hate that. like that's just people trying to get followers as well you know what i mean like mm -hmm. yeah. and you see collectors yeah. doing it too you see a lot of shady collectors which has really annoyed me too some of them don't even have any ETH to their name and haven't even built a collection but they want to build a twitter following and they're like i've so got 20 collectors yeah. yeah i'm like they're like i've got 20 ETH to spend show me your work and i'm like yeah 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 that is, you, you look at them, you try to find the collection, you can't find it anywhere. They've got nothing. They right. own nothing. It's just um, a lie. Yeah. 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 But if yeah. one, dude, I, Matt, I'll give you at least what I consider the blueprint, right? This is the blueprint to what I think, you know, young or up and coming artists coming into NFT space should be doing. One is making great work that they're happy for. They're happy to produce. Don't make it just for the collectors. Make it because you're happy with it. That's number one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Number two, try and work the dynamics of your costing. Don't try and come out the gate and be, you know, Octane Jesus. Don't come out the gate and, try <laughs> that. and, and no, that's the truth, man. Like, build, be happy, and look at the long-term value. So try and build gradual value. You know, start with like an eight and eight or a ten out of ten piece, and mm -hmm. like have the total value of that. At, you know, two ETH or three ETH, and it's an incremental thing that's easier to attain. Don't come out and say, you know, you want to have this one of one that sells for twenty-five grand. Um, right. It's a bit unrealistic yeah. and it's, it could happen, but it's unrealistic. And then you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And then True. gradually as your, as your sales increase, make a gradual increase in, in your, in your floor, in your sale floor. Mm -hmm. And then if, if you're, if you're doing that, you're gaining momentum and in the background, every so often reach out to invest, reach out to collectors every so often. Don't spend mm -hmm. the majority of your time reaching out to collectors because if you're a true collector, you're gonna be on you're gonna be on makers, you're gonna be on nifty, you're gonna be on you're gonna be looking yeah, around. Yeah, you'll anyway. find it. Exactly. Yep. And if you've got the sales, if you've used the first two three steps already, and you're picking up momentum, the site will put you at the top of the list for featured anyway. So you're gonna yep. come across mm -hmm. a whole bunch of collectors anyway. That's cool. Yeah, and I think collectors often like to organically find work versus. You know, they're less likely to buy if someone's shilling to them directly. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, at least that's what I that's what I've been told by many people, because, I mean, you can think of it from your own perspective. Like, it's fun to happen upon work that you really love and connect with and you sure. know, discover that work versus just like someone telling you what's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Another so thing that I've asked you guys is sorry, sorry to, to cut you off, but, um, you know, up and coming artists as well should should potentially if you're going to reach out to a collector reach out for advice you know that's that's probably mm -hmm. more likely to get us to you know give you some feedback and, and just mm -hmm. give us an opinion as opposed to like hey look at my work and purchase it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah so the thing i was going to say is that even when i was like doing those small like little purchases uh, i even had people just like sending me really random dms going like uh, hey, you want to buy my thing? And it, it was really strange because I was like, I'm not a big collector at all, but because I bought like three things that one day, all of a sudden I started getting all these really random messages and it was like really obnoxious even. Um, yeah, how, people like, show to me a lot them. as if I'm a, a legit collector. It's pretty funny. <laughs> but again, That's I ignore funny. anybody that just blasts me with their, you know, with some foundation link. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's spam. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Matthew had a good question here in the chat. He said, Peter, uh, what are you most looking forward to with smart contracts? Is there something you'd like to be better 
in the current way typical sites are handling things for someone for someone like you? Um, in regards to smart contracts, as in the sale of the NFT, because there's not actually much smart contract action happening there. Um, in regards to smart contracts in general and NFTs in general, I think we're, we're getting there. I think it's getting better every day. I think, like I said, we spoke about it earlier when we're going to have, you know, property, we're going to have everything tokenized and you're going to have a fraction of, of an NFT. You're going to have mm -hmm. health data um, on the blockchain um, as an NFT that's specific to you that you can't transfer, that you can't sell. It'll be hard coded into the contract. Um, there's a whole bunch of interesting things happening right now where you know you're going to be able to get yield from a lot of this stuff. Like I said before, the the team over at Blackpool are going to make it capable to actually get you know leverage off your NFTs. So now you can actually start to create something and build wealth by collecting, as opposed to just collecting and trying to flip. Um, mm -hmm. And all of this is happening on a smart <clears throat> contract level. But in regards to platforms like Makers, Nifty, and stuff like that. And I could be wrong here. I'm not sure that they use any sort of smart contract. I'm pretty sure it's just a direct swap. Like you make a purchase X wallet from their wallet and it just gets transferred over. Does the smart contract come in for royalties though? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. The smart contract would come in for royalties. That's where it would be getting used. Um, have I have I seen that fail? I don't know. Maybe any other artist that's listening to this can reach out. Have they had issues where they've had secondary sales happen where they didn't receive that income? I'm not too sure. Like I said, I mm -hmm. haven't I haven't played around with that. But it'll be interesting to hear if there is an artist that's watching this and listening and you've had a secondary <laughs> sale and you didn't get your royalties, um, let us know. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, Peter, like what's what's your backstory? Like, do you, are you a traditional art collector as well? Or uh, did you get into crypto like pretty early? Like how, how did you get into this whole thing? <laughs> dude, I, I, I love that. Here we go. No, dude, yeah. I've loved that since I was a kid. But um, <laughs> I actually dropped out of school really young. I got asked to leave a couple of high schools and I had to kind of make a living. And this is before NFTs and before you can kind of make, you know, a reasonable living doing digital art or even just normal art in any form. Um, so I got into construction and that was the background. So I ended up growing a, a re reasonably successful uh, construction company and then spurged off into a few other side projects and um, working on a startup at the moment, which is going to incorporate a lot of stuff from the crypto space too. But um, I probably got into crypto late late 2016 early 2017 um, mm -hmm. and and that was it and then just kind of fell in love with the whole space still working obviously full time in, in all the other endeavors but um, spending a lot of time in crypto for the last couple of years Get, in particular in particular DeFi in particular like if you guys are familiar with the whole decentralized finance movement you know I'm a big believer mm -hmm. that you know it will swallow up the banks yeah mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. that's awesome um yeah, so I noticed that you like collect mostly on Maker's Place. Is there a reason, like, is that your favorite platform for a specific reason? First of all, I like the platform. I like that it's not saturated. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's UI is pretty good. It has crashed, especially during the Beeple raffles, which I wasn't happy about, but I'm, I'm sure right. we're all working on making that and making the service better. Um, a big one is that I obviously want to preserve my ETH, and I like, this is another reason why Nifty is good too. I like the idea of being able to purchase direct from my bank account in using usd i mm -hmm. think that's a huge value add for me anyway yeah. as someone yeah, that is a big believer in decentral and i've got i've got you know i've got crypto locked up on different accounts doing things for DeFi where i don't necessarily want to break that and if i'm making a good year right. i don't necessarily want to end that so if i've got you know money available in the bank account and the platform allows me to use that and another platform doesn't allow me to use that well then mm -hmm. it's a clear decision for me to make 
Hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I do love like how Maker's Place displays the NFTs. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the nicest, like in terms of like just displaying everything. Um, yep. Though obviously, like the search engine is still broken. Like every platform has mm-hmm. its own issues, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, for sure. Do you so like when you buy a piece? Do you have if you want to flip it? I know that you buy some pieces that you're intending to flip, and others that you just buy because you love because you love the art. When you buy a piece to flip it, do you have a specific strategy in mind? Like, do you watch, like, for instance, I I bought a piece that I, I figured I could flip and I did flip it really quickly. It was Alex Ness's piece because I saw, I mean, A, his work is incredible. Like, I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of his. Yeah, I love his work, um, yeah. And, like, but I saw, like, he entered that gallery on, on Nifty that was kind of, like, not main, not like on their main page. I can't remember the name of the gallery, but um, his pieces imme- like were, uh, I think fifteen hundred dollars for the drawing, and then immediately started flipping for like eight ten k. So like mm-hmm. seeing that information, and then he, you know, he dropped on Maker's Place. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna buy this because a, I, a, I fucking love it. If you know, if I don't yeah. flip it, then whatever. But like two days later, someone offered you know several thousand dollars more for it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, but what's what kind of strategies do you have in mind when you know you want to flip a piece? Well, that comes from just actually researching the 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 whole scene. Like I actually wanted mm-hmm. your first piece, Dave. Like I, I, oh, I yeah. hate, Triple H just came in and blew me out of the water uh, <laughs> before I even had a chance to bid. I'm like, man, there's no way I'm even going to bid on this thing now. Yeah. But I think if you can grow an appreciation for the space and you can educate yourself on on the art that's being made and and who's working for and just a backstory on certain artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where you can kind of set yourself up for a decent flip. But a side note is that like I haven't flipped any work. I've actually oh. I haven't yet to sell any of the pieces that I purchased, which goes to oh, show that you know, it's a long game. Like, yeah. you're waiting to appreciate over the over the years potentially. Yeah, absolutely. It's indicative that's of the cool. space. So if you think of it, think of it this way, right? CryptoPunks are getting sold, right? Mm-hmm. And like you said, they're nothing special, but they're getting sold because they're they're what they represent is the start of the mm-hmm. NFT era. Right, and that's mm-hmm. where I think a lot of these early, early art pieces are going to project. You know, again, there's going to be a lull, there's going to be a time, but you know, talking three, four, five years from now, if your time, if the timestamp on your NFT is of this era, plus mm-hmm. it's super cool, I believe it's going to be worth a lot more money than what it's worth now. That's, that's my, really and, cool. I, and I could be wrong here. Could you know? Who knows, but, that's what I'm, By that that's same what token, do you feel then that the early Beeples, for instance, the open editions, so pretend in a in an amazing world that I enter this drawing and I win another Beeple and yeah. I want to sell one of them. The one to sell would be the newer one, right? Versus the the OG, like, Correct. you know, that first like so. big drop. Yeah. yeah. Correct. For sure. Absolutely. But I, I, also, I also think like there is uh, a number bias. There is a a heuristic involved where a psychological barrier comes into play when you start talking millions of dollars like mm-hmm. you know you could have a piece that you've purchased for you know 1200 bucks like matt said um and mm-hmm. i believe you know in four or five years could sell for tens of thousands maybe even a hundred thousand but you know do i think if you've purchased a piece for 69 million that you know in four four years you're going to sell it for you know 300 million no. i don't know do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. think the percentages work the same way when you get to that sort of category. Right, for sure. I totally mm-hmm. agree. Sure. I totally agree. Yeah, and you know that bring in that similar vein. You know, I don't know how these people pieces, at least the ones that we bought, are going to do in the future. But you know, you see, you saw the initial kind of gold rush 
<clears throat> with them and that's that's where i was i was watching mifty every single day seeing what the prices were <clears throat> and at at one point i had it listed for like a million dollars or whatever <laughs> yeah. and i was like all right that's too much you know let me list it for like six hundred thousand. Oh no, that's too much too and at one point i was just finally like okay i want to sell this thing i i have the opportunity to get out of debt i'm gonna do it you know yeah. and the number that i chose which what's interesting is uh so the number that I chose was the exact amount that I needed to be out of debt. You know, oh, so after... you were joking when you said you're literally broke. You literally broke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the uh, like 195,000. Uh, like I, I listed, I listed it that way because that was after like the fees to pay, you know, Nifty and Beeple, and then pay my taxes and pay off everything else. You know that I owed money on, minus my house, of course. You know. Sorry. So I know what but, is the, what is the tax obligation over there? Like, what do you guys? Uh, I will guys- owe forty one thousand dollars on that hundred and ninety five thousand dollars sale. Wow! Yeah, that's actually on that. really good. That is really good. Have you, you hold it for over a year? Uh, I did not. No. Okay. No, I, ca- I cashed you out immediately. Actually, less. I think capital gains. It would be. Yeah. Be less. So yeah, that is that is I'm true. If I had <laughs> if I had kept it in there for a year, it yeah. would have been capital gains tax, which only would have been fifteen percent. But because I cashed out, I just wanted to cash out. I just wanted to cash out. You know, Keep and in I mind, put the money in there. from state it, to it's, state. Like Texas, yeah. Matt's in Texas, and they have probably better tax breaks than many. I have places. no income tax. I have no income tax in Texas, so I don't pay any well, income tax. State. Yeah. Uh, state, but I do. Yeah. yeah state. Federal income tax, you know, because I sold it without keeping it for a year, it ends up be- being counted as income, which means I'm going right. to pay like 34% on it, which sucks, mm-hmm. you know, versus yeah. 15%. But in the meantime, the thing is, so, you know, like 60, 65,000 of that was going to my student loans, actually, yeah, and um, and then 40,000 of it is going uh, is going to taxes. What I ended up doing, because right now student loans are in deferment because of COVID, I put it all into like stocks, you know, and I've made like I've made like six thousand dollars just in the past like month and a half, just letting that all sit in stocks. So you how know, much? What was just, the figure you said about about sixty thousand dollars? So I actually put. You should I have put, put it into. You should put it into ETH instead. Dude, <laughs> I, I should have. Say, I, I should have. Yeah. Yeah. I would have we'll I, I, after I, this man, and I'll I'll yeah. pass you on to some DeFi platforms that can definitely give right. you a better return on that. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. So, but yeah, as of right now, you know, like I'm up six grand, and all I'm doing is letting that you know money sit until oh. I actually have to pay it. You know. Yeah. yeah no, I think so, you've done the right thing. Absolutely. I yeah. would have done the, I would have done the same. Used the same strategy, except put it into DeFi as opposed to. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've got a whole bunch of stock as well that I'm sitting that's sitting there and like I obviously compare I've got a few platforms where I look at you know the rise and rise and fall of certain certain stocks and prices versus crypto and mm-hmm. it's it's negligible when I look at what you know I I, I put a, a big chunk when the market crashed when the US market crashed in in mm-hmm. March last year I bought a, bu- a whole bunch of blue chip stocks um, from Nasdaq and like they've bounced back and they've done really well and they've done like a one two two x you know they've done really well yeah but, same here. But as opposed to like you know the hundred x thousand x returns you've seen in crypto in the last six months, it's mm-hmm. you know you would I would have been better off putting that money and keeping that money in my bank account, waiting another three four months and then putting it into crypto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, 
I think the crypt for me at least the crypto space is scary. You know, like that. That's uh, my my brother and I were chatting today because he's recently gotten into it, and he put a bunch of money in Bitcoin, and uh, you know, Bitcoin. I think he he bought it like. 50 and then he bought again at 55 and then he bought at 60 you know and now it was down it was down to like 49 or something and he's like man i i, I hate bitcoin i'm gonna i'm gonna <laughs> turn it I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna just cash out you know and i was like you now sound like an actual crypto coin co- you know a holder yeah. right now because yeah. i've heard that well, from so many the, people but the holders the true holders like expect yes. the rises and falls and it's right, more about absolutely. like how far did it get from here to here over the course of the year you know, right, if you totally. look at like the trend, the general trend, and right. you hold it for a long time, I think you do, you know, totally. it does really well. Well, then yeah. it comes back to asking, you know, asking the question, where do you where do you see the whole financial system, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now? And if you don't ask yourself that question and you don't have a conclusive answer with, with, with confidence, then you're only ever going to look to flip crypto. You're only going to look for quick... Right. For, for quick returns and then when you don't Absolutely. get it it's going to it's going to frustrate the hell out of you but right. if you see and you study and you take the time to understand where it's moving and where these what, what gave birth to this and where it's going over the next five ten years and you truly believe where it's going in the next five ten years then it's easier for you to hold when there's a when there's a dip yeah it's, it's might yeah. be right. much easier because you know right. that it's technology that's going to take get more and more traction be more and more entrenched Absolutely. into our system right. the scary yeah. thing about crypto right now is that you are the bank like it's amazing that it's decentralized yeah. and that it's you know sticking it to the man and like these big companies you know that are that are greedy um, but at the same time, it makes the security aspect a lot scarier. The mistake um, aspect. I don't think it's. Just, I think the security is far better. I think. Oh really? Yeah. I think. Well, it's 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 decentralized. There's no single yeah. point of failure. So, for example, mm-hmm. your bank has one large database that if it, you know, I'm sure they've got extensive security. But if it ever gets hacked, they've got everybody. Uh, versus, you know, with Ethereum or Bitcoin, it's distributed. So there's no single right. point of failure. Security is far better. What I think you're trying to explain, and I agree with, is that you know. Uh, error, error likelihood. User is far, error. Yeah, mm-hmm. user error likelihood. Human error is is far greater. Yeah, like just taking a screenshot of your seed phrase, or or like yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have a friend that didn't even give out their seed phrase, but they were on um, MetaMask, right? So and they wanted to do something, and they they hit up all of Twitter for support from MetaMask, which was the first mistake, and then MetaMask support reached out and. About halfway through, when they were they had sent over this um, QR code or something, they realized that it wasn't it, that MetaMask support was missing a P. So it was MetaMask support with one P. Wow! So it wasn't real. Yeah, man. And they had sent over a QR code that somehow allowed them to hack into the account, which is it essentially was the seed phrase by sending that QR code. Um, and so yeah, they their that wallet was burned. Like they couldn't. All their NFTs were gone, um, or they, you know, mm-hmm. they tried transferring things, and that was linked to their foundation account. Yeah, and the accounts—that's uh, what sucks. This is Lucas Crossfader. Yeah. I don't know if you know him, um, but yeah, there have been a few, several stories like that. So, yeah, there's a lot more responsibility in your own hands. Mm-hmm. And if you do something stupid, like if you lose your seed phrase, for instance, yeah. uh, that's a big issue. Like that's why people get those titanium plates where you literally have your seed phrase engraved in case yeah. your house burns down you can yeah. still recover it. Yeah. right yeah absolutely yeah. But see, i think that's the next frontier too and i think there's some really innovative teams um and i've posted about it already a couple times on twitter but stakedow have got a really amazing patented solution where you can log in with like a username email 
um, mm-hmm. and they store without you realizing they've got the seed phrase. They create the wallet on your behalf and then you just top mm-hmm. up your account with, with a credit card. Um, and I think that's where a lot of companies are going to have to move. A lot of these cryptos, you have the diehard. Yeah, it has to be more idiot proof. It's as simple as that. It has to be idiot proof. Yeah. Like every time I, I speak to anyone in that space, I'm always thinking to myself, like, could I give this to my mom? Like, could I give this to my mom? Could I, could I right, give this right, to like right. someone that's like 65 years old and expect them to send a transaction or make, you know, make use of it? And if if they can, oh, can I give it to to a kid that's like probably a kid uh-huh. at 12 years old these days can probably do it better than I can. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the, I think the question is like, could you give it to like a 40, 50, 60 year old person and get yeah. them to understand it relatively quickly? Yes, because it's yeah, the security I, uh, itself. The the level of security of it is what makes it scary. It's so secure mm-hmm. that it's virtually unbreakable, unrecoverable. Correct. It's just it's Correct. so it's so right. final. Yeah, I, now, after after I sold my Beeple piece, I was, and I transferred everything. So I, I went from. Did you uh, go to Gemini? I went to Gemini for a good majority mm-hmm. of it, you know, and then I I immediately set up two factor authorization in Nifty, which I didn't have yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I set that up, and I was like, oh man, what if I die? And my wife doesn't get this money. <laughs> so I had oh, to man. teach her everything. I'm like, you've got to learn all of this because if I die <laughs> in the next week, you need to know yeah. how to get this money out. Yeah, dude. Even I though if I died, she'd I went still traveling. Be anyway. I went traveling in 2019 <laughs> and I did the same thing, man. Like I wrote down this and I, I wrote down like all, all the information needed to access my ledger and stuff and, and gave it to my girlfriend and said, look, I'm going overseas for a couple months. And if anything happens, if a plane crashes, you know, this yeah. is what you need to learn how to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then you That's get back crazy. and all your money's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is a lot living of in Mexico, Living in Mexico right now, dude. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the thing. Like, it's not like a bank where they can return your money, like, you know, where they yeah. can kind of fix transactions. Right. That's the one maybe benefit of the centralized system is that they can fix things mm-hmm. if people hack your account, whatever, you know, like fraud, that, fraud detection, that kind of stuff. So they're, you know... There is more responsibility that rests in your hands. Do you think that the government that, will ever come in with regulation on that and say no? Oh, there needs to be a middle something. I don't absolutely. know. But if you look, I'm not. I'm not a big conspiracy theorist myself, but I think um, like the government's already well ahead of us with planning this. I think mm-hmm. you know that there's no way that, especially a country like yourselves, the U.S. <laughs> would just let the U.S. dollar. Get. I was going to say, you've never seen Congress speak, have you? Because <laughs> they don't know what the hell yeah. they're doing. No, I have. I've seen. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I do, I do believe that a lot of these old dudes in Congress are, are far behind the eight ball. But I think far beyond Congress, I think there's things and discussions that have been said and done well in advance of this conversation we're having today because that we will never know of, which is fine, because there's no way that the U.S. will let the U.S. dollar fall out of power without mm. having a plan in place. It's mm-hmm. too much of an anchor hold. It's too important to the U.S. government and, and they could, sort of like their stranglehold they have on the global economy to just let that sort of slowly get displaced by crypto. I think they're mm-hmm. well ahead of the curve. Yeah. So do you think that they're going to fight against it or they're going to bond with it in some way bond to make with it? it? Yeah. Bond with yeah. it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Bond with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I was reading... Sorry, I was reading that they were going to start making their own crypto for the USD and just get rid of, uh, you know, the mm. dollar and just turn it into a digital currency. I think again, I keep coming back to like a long-term vision here. I think that's going to be every country on a long enough on, on a long enough timeline. I think mm-hmm. you know you're going to have paper paper currency will no longer exist on for a long sure. enough 
one. I don't even think it's going to be that far ahead into the future. Like, I'll, I'll say I already places. almost never use paper currency. Like it's either credit card or yeah. you know now it's like crypto weirdness. <laughs> I only pay cash, things in I just ETH. Spend it. I just pay <laughs> things in ETH. I go to a restaurant. I'm like, you don't take ETH. I'm out of here. This is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you only need cash for drug deals oh, yeah. these days. That's it. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's funny. I only anytime I have cash, I always spend it on scratch offs. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> That's funny because back in the day with Silk Road, you used to use crypto to buy drugs, but now yeah. it seems like it's uh, cash. Yeah. <laughs> NFT yeah. scratch I, I think that's the next frontier if we're talking strictly crypto. Like I think user experience, which you spoke about, Dave, is super important. And there's a lot of bright minds working on that and making it idiot proof or making it more mm-hmm. idiot proof. Um, but then I think the next frontier, as everyone onboards onto crypto and starts using it, it will be privacy. It's what you're talking about, Lewis, because at first everyone thought, you know, well, this is great. This is, you know, we can purchase drugs with it because no one can see what we're doing. Then you start to educate yourself. And you're like, dude, there's a huge ledger it's of information that's there forever. Yeah. It's there yeah. forever. They can see where you, where you've sent your Bitcoin. So I do think again, this, it, it comes in waves. Right now, NFT is a big wave. I think the next wave will be privacy. I think NFTs will then w- rise again as we start to see other uses for it. It's going to be an interesting five to ten years. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other amazing thing about crypto is that it, it's often a more stable currency than certain countries. Like certain countries, like I don't know, sure. Venezuela is a good example, but like yeah. you know, it's lots of countries. For sure. Yeah, have currency that fluctuates even more than than crypto. So crypto is a great way for them to participate in the global economy. Yeah, yeah. I think stable coins are, are a good solution too. Like I think USDC yeah. and all the stable coins that are coming out, and a lot of this innovation so far has only happened in the US. Um, <laughs> these stable coins are gonna, if not already, work with the government. But you know, there'll be a solution where you kind of get paid USDC. Everyone will have some form of you know digital wallet. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. You know, your boss pays you directly through there. The smart contract automatically deducts the taxes, so you don't even have to see it. Um, and it's just going to make yeah. everyone's life easier in the long run. There's going to be a That's hurdle true. of education, but it's going to make everyone's life easier. Definitely. So where do you see this going in five to ten years? Like, obviously, VR and AR are big applications, sure. you know, ways that it can integrate, like, virtual galleries. Um, but, like... The- I made a yeah. post about this where it's like people that don't understand the value in NFTs and digital art fail to understand the impact that VR will have on our lives in five to ten years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you don't see the value in that, then you completely are missing the mark on where you know Google and Facebook and all these behemoths are spending their money. Like you mm-hmm. will go to a concert on your couch. You will wear yeah. Oh, yeah. your VR. You will, you will purchase the ticket as an NFT. Uh, you mm-hmm. will attend it. And, it, and as hardware power increases it's almost going to be the matrix. You won't know the difference between right. sitting on your couch and going to the concert or actually being at the concert. So why would you get off your couch? Yeah. True, yeah. And the AR stuff and I guess is like, going to get That's the future I'm looking forward to. We're all sad <laughs> yeah. about the fact. Give me yeah. a message. No, yeah, everybody's like rushing towards this ready, ready player one type of existence in, in a good way. Like, you know, and, and um, we're all sad that, you know, we can't go to the movie theaters right now. But if you think about it in VR... Uh, especially with like a high resolution display, you still get the sense of looking up at a massive screen. Yeah, you know, VR that. communicates <laughs> scale so well. Yeah, exactly. So that will probably replace our desire to see thing. You know, desire to see content in this massive format. You know, especially especially art. I'll, I'll just add that. Yeah. Because you know, again, some amazing teams in the space, Decentraland and all these other places. You've got digital art galleries now where. You, you have essentially an avatar, you walk around and you can see artwork. Um, 
although you're doing it from your laptop and you don't actually have VR goggles attached, the right. next step, the next logical step would be VR, where you're you're essentially you're, you're you're coming home from work or doing whatever you need to do. You come home and you just tap into the matrix, and next thing you know, you're walking around this digital land and walking into you know X art gallery and checking out your favorite artist. But with AR, Absolutely. it's going to get really big like that too, and and it's going to go into the world of like AR wearables and those especially mm-hmm. would be NFTs. You know, you can have like really uh, rare. Hats yeah, people want to have the coolest or, avatar. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, everything's yeah, going to have sure. an attachment that's an NFT. And you, you can imagine, you know, you've got some AR thing on and even physical objects in the real world are attached to that NFT. You can see it mm-hmm. in, in AR. And right, and right now, like, obviously, like, we're even as 3D artists, we're creating essentially 2D pieces of art. They can be displayed on screens. They can be displayed as flat planes in mm-hmm. a gallery. But moving forward as we all get into unreal engine and these other you know pieces of software we'll be able to design experiences like places for people to go that are in a specific theme of artwork yep. you know so that to me is is really cool for the future it's like the experiences that uh, some of these artists are doing mm-hmm. in like tilt brush and things you know yeah uh, like james is doing uh doing like the the full it's just like an environment you know, and, I think that's I one reason that, like, like, like Fuck Render is doing so well too is like he's created a metaverse of his own. He's got the Fuck Render verse, you know, and he right. does trailers for it. And there's this, you know, and he's basically having a whole game world developed centered around his art, uh, mm-hmm. which is really, really cool. Yeah. And I actually do yes. a lot of that passive VR stuff uh, to relax it. And in, in like uh, COVID <clears throat> quarantine, kind of feel like I maybe left the house mm-hmm. for a minute, you know. And right. uh, some of those are really relaxing and even meditative. Yeah, I'm yet to use one actually. As someone that truly believes in the future of a, I don't, I don't own a VR headset, but <laughs> oh, you should get one. Yeah. Get, get a, Who do you recommend? Get a, what do you recommend? Uh, get the 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 new Quest, the Quest too. Yeah, VR, because yeah. you don't it's, have to. You don't have to have a giant, you know, yeah, computer. You don't need to have to a giant it. computer to do it, and it's yeah, it's, it's great. really great. Like the, the it's really great. Is so amazing. The tracking is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was. Yep. I had very little. I had very low expectations for the Quest Two, and it blew me out of the water. You, like you put it in the I, I immediately put up my original uh, uh, <laughs> Oculus, and I'm yeah. like, "All right, I'm all Quest 100." percent Well, it has the pass-through so mode. So, so you, yeah, it's Facebook who's the Oculus Quest. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. but it, uh, but yeah. it has that yeah. pass-through mode where but you can see the But they'll sell you a non-Facebook one for an extra five hundred dollars. Right. Apparently, yeah. I would buy that one. So the top yeah. of the line VR headset is actually the Index, right? And it's Valve, yeah. and I think right. that personally, I find that company a lot better. Like they're they're really really cool. I mean, yeah, I don't love Facebook. The problem but, is it comes <laughs> back to the yeah. ecosystem yeah. again too. So mm-hmm. yeah. You know, like, like how do you, how do you mean? Oh, just the fact that yeah, with with the index, you have to be have a bigger setup. You have to have like a dedicated mm-hmm. room for it where you mount the cameras right. uh, or the yeah. infrared. I guess they're I don't know if they're lidar or whatever, but, but you mount the games, them in the different all the know. things. It's all like kind of in their own ecosystem, right? Like, I mean, I guess it's, you no, Steam it's all on that? Steam. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's all on Steam. As long as it's yeah. an open VR, it works. Yeah. Um, that's the VR headset I have. And I can actually combine it with the Oculus Store and um, just like mm-hmm. websites that actually let you do a VR. Yeah, that's the only How thing is the Oculus is like the iPhone of VR headsets because you, you're locked yeah, right. into that ecosystem. Okay. What did you say, Peter? What, what was your question? 
Like, how often are you guys actually tapping into VR? How often are you using? We used to a lot, actually. We used to like all get together and play like video, like games. Like they have this one called Rec Room, uh, Mm -hmm. and you can. There's like a, a first person shooter one where. You know, it's it's just really funny it's because capture the flag, basically. Yeah, you know, but like first person shooter. But if you're you get like shot, ducking you're behind stuff over. in your room yeah. and like rolling under, yeah. you know, under your desk and shit, and like it, it's it's a it's a workout actually. But um, the funny thing is, like with the the audio, you can hear each other better when you're close by, right? So yeah. like Dave would be like all the way down the range yeah. and then snipe me, and I'd be like motherfucker, and like from his Did end, it's like. This? Yeah, no, but from his end, he just hears like, <laughs> you know, just like a real. <laughs> yeah, I make the mistake right. of playing horror in VR, and oh, that shit terrifies yeah. me, and I get, yeah. af- I'm afraid to go back in. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's something I'll do. Ooh. I would like definitely tap into a horror game, but then I'll end up like putting it down and saying, "Fuck that." I'll play that. Yeah. Have you seen some of these TikToks where people are playing these horror games, and then someone walks up behind them and talks oh, to them? Yeah. And they just like freak out. Uh, no, I can't do <laughs> Even Ever since Parasite Eve on PlayStation 1, I was like, nah, I'm out. I'm out. Can't do it. I used to, can't my do favorite it. as a kid was playing the so original Resident Evil, but the remake for yes. GameCube. With the, yes. the one for GameCube where they improve, improve the graphics, that shit was scary as fuck. I would, but I would also <laughs> go into my basement and like turn all the lights out and like at yeah. 1 a.m. on my big screen and like that was just. Like military training, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. To answer your question, I actually use VR probably about three times a week, either passive mm-hmm. or you know working out playing Beat Saber. So mm-hmm. I, I still use mine quite a bit. It, you know, it's, That's awesome. It's getting its money's I, worth. It's not collecting. I haven't dust. had any time to play lately. It I play it more when I have a permanent play. setup, yeah. and I I did for a while in in our basement. But we like I don't know. That's yeah, why maybe the quest could, is good because you can just up, take yeah. it anywhere. You know, it's really yeah, exactly. easy to that's set it up. Really cool. But uh, you know, we haven't played together in a while. That's that's the thing. That's true. Know? That was uh, the fun thing was should. like the social aspect. But we're all so damn busy right now. Yeah, we did that maze together and all that. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Got that sick so from awful. from the stupid like alt space whatever that was called. Like yeah, there. Oh wow, <laughs> you pulled that picture up fast. Yeah. I'm the robot playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> I think Matt is the. The dude. No, we all got VR. Strength. I don't know what I am. On that one, you you don't teleport. You like move the joystick, oh, and yeah. that kind of dissociation. Oh, gosh, between... I was so sick. Yeah, I got such a massive headache. Yeah, that was January 2017. Wow. 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 Time flies, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I have a question for the the three of y'all in the middle, and I, I want to get this question <laughs> yes, from sir. three points of view i already know matt's opinion on this um and here's <laughs> okay the, here's the question because i, I want to get it from peter your point of view as a collector Luis, you as uh, uh nft artist and then david you kind of both right i want to know what your top five if you if, if you can think of that many that's fine but i want to know your top five features that you like to see in a crypto art NFT site if you're going to choose mm. to use it. Oh, damn. Okay. Search function. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think that's the thing that's cracked me the most about um, Maker's Place. The search function mm-hmm. is terrible. It is. Uh, so unreliable. So, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll rattle mine off first if you don't mind, but it's it's search function for sure. Uh, ability to pay in USD. Um, definitely 
a, a sort of well laid out UI. I think it's it's more so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a feature, but it's definitely important. Well, that's like, definitely a what feature. What is it about definitely the UI though that that has to be good? You're talking uh, looks you or usability or, or what? Usability, easy to navigate, the artwork laid out neatly in tiles that seem to be, uh, you know, symmetrical in the way that they mm-hmm. they outlay the artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a neat border so you're not stretching out. It's just, I think the autoplay feature as well is cool as you're searching through, having things trigger and play the animation mm-hmm. as, you're, as you're scrolling. All these things are little features that add value to the user experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, this is a bit of a random one, but um, so I, I tried to sell a piece uh, called Meta Iris, and I thought, okay, let's play with the aspect ratio and make something that's super wide, like very cinematic, you know, aspect ratio. And it was by far my worst selling piece because what happens on those sites is that the wider the aspect ratio, the smaller your NFT looks compared to the rest. Mm. Um, so for for the follow up to that one. Uh, all I did was I took the the damn thing and I flipped it 90 degrees. It still looked great because it was an abstract distortion type loop. Uh-huh. Uh, and immediately, within an hour, I'd sold all three editions for yeah. much, much more than... I had sold the others. So I ended up like, because that, that Meta Iris one didn't say, it's the only piece that I wasn't able to sell on Maker's Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last three editions I actually gifted to uh, some some of my collectors and that's like a that's like if you have pieces that are unsold that's a great way to show yeah. like love and like cool. both yeah. of, you know you're all in this together like you know that's For the sure. thing between exactly like collectors sure. and and uh artists like we're on the same journey like it's mutually yeah. beneficial yeah and, and that's just an important note i want to add as well before lewis uh, answers the question through what i've seen anyway portrait lands portrait sells far quicker than landscape right so I think that's got a lot to do with the way it's displayed as you scroll. Yeah. Because it looks so much smaller, it seems less attractive to the mm-hmm. eye. Uh, exactly. That doesn't take away from the work. The work might be amazing, but I think mm-hmm. as you're scrolling through, you see all these amazing portraits, and they're all, you know, symmetrically in line. You're scrolling through, and you've got this little small thumbnail of yep. this landscape piece. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not to say like you can you can full screen it and then it looks amazing. Like there are certain collectors that do collect the work and then put it on their walls. Like I've got a collector that is completely redesigning his house uh, just with NFTs and a screen for each NFT. So he's got that's my cool. lanterns piece permanently in his house now, which is mind blowing and super, super cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those kind of collectors, it doesn't really matter that much that it appears small on the site because you're of displaying course. it on a big display. Mm-hmm. But for, you know, for just the NFTs that live on that page and that's the only means that they're collecting it, you know, that's kind of a different story. I'm so, saying that, from from yeah. from a selling aspect as the yeah. artist. I'm saying from like it's obviously great regardless, and it's it's beautiful pieces of work. But yeah, you know if you, you I think the likelihood statistically of it selling decreases slightly when it's in that landscape. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, yeah we're we're saying the exact same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I have to agree with that. My my short film it's, that it's I it's really- frustrating though. It's frustrating because like I love that cinematic aspect ratio. You know, mm-hmm. we all love it from watching movies. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Instagram has driven everyone to create squares and vertical formats. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mm-hmm. opposed to those. I love all aspect ratios equally. Like you can make amazing art in any aspect. Right. But I want to be able to play in those different realms with, you know, and experiment and not be like taking a hit because of that. Right. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. What were you saying? Totally. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. So my I have a short film on there that is that ultra wide, and that one when I see it on my page, it's like this tiny little box, mm-hmm. and when then you have all these vertical ones surrounding it. So yeah, yeah I do agree with you on that. The one feature that I think um, I would like to see, just as an artist, is when I go through art, it's um, and I try to like click on a thing, uh, like on a piece of art, it will then take me to another page. Like I would actually just like there to be a way to expand the details mm. and mm. be able to see like what the current bid is, um, like all the details, and then if I want to buy it or put a bid in, just be able to do it and then keep scrolling. Because I don't want to yeah. go into another page or have another window opened uh, when I click on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And also, I've be got able a few more artists. Right. So I've got a few more that um, I mean, these are also kind of small. They're they're much bigger ones too. Like obviously, like the biggest <clears throat> thing is just like creating scarcity um, mm-hmm. and. You know, super rare. I think is doing the best, and maybe Maker's Place second best. Uh, you know, and Nifty and Foundation are just you know flooded. Well, Nifty's flooding the market with tons of additions, and Foundation's mm-hmm. flooding the market with tons of tons artists. Of artists. Yeah. So people are getting buried with incredible art. Like pe- I know artists like Tom Coben's a great example of someone who I mm-hmm. very much like. Think he's he's amazing. He makes crazy good work, and nobody's noticed it. Yeah. But, a lot because he's on foundation and it's just so flooded. Mm-hmm. Mm. <clears throat> so those are big platform issues that need to be solved in some way. Um, sure. But small gripes like the loop point on uh, most, on pretty much all NFT sites, there's a slight hitch and that bugs yeah. me personally. It, it, so here. a lot of the time we're baking in multiple loops into an NFT. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there's still that hitch at the end. But also, if you mm-hmm. bake in multiple loops, that becomes a much bigger file size. And so your mm-hmm. NFT is going to get right. more compressed. So that exactly. brings me to my second gripe is the upload sizes. The upload limits right now for Foundation and Super Rare are 50 megabytes, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. There's no right. reason for it. The NFT, the video file isn't living on the blockchain. It's just the token. So there's no reason. And it's just devaluing the quality of the work. We should be able to upload really high quality, uncompressed work you know, to these platforms, especially like Super Rare. Like It just doesn't make any sense to me. You remember the, and the like that one that I did on, on uh, Foundation? Uh, yeah, which is yeah, still yeah. for sale, by the way, if anybody wants to. Uh, <laughs> the, the well, it had all that smoke in it, right? So you have to have like not a lot of compression if you're going to do something like that. And I had all those loops, yeah. and the loops went the it it looped like quite a few times in the time that the music, you know, I think maybe the music was about four times as long as the loop, so it would loop four times. Mm-hmm. I think at some point I had to change it uh, because it was just going to have to be too compressed if I wanted that many loops. It's just, there exactly. is just a catch. You're going to have to compromise something there. And Which I'm sucks. Guessing- like, so like collectors that want to display your work, for instance, on their screens in their homes on 4K TVs, they're currently fucked. Like there's, you know, the NFTs are like 1920 by 1080 at, at the biggest. And there's no yeah, reason right. in today's day and age we shouldn't be able to make 4K NFTs. You know, absolutely. That, or more. Yeah. Or more. <clears throat> Have yeah. you reached out to the makers team for that? Have you asked the question? Yeah, they're so. I mean, no, I haven't specifically, but they're so flooded. I mean, like they haven't even fixed the issue where if you make it full screen on something that's square, it stretches. It stretches oh. the video. 
Like, it's just completely stupid. Well, um, I guess the hitch is because, like, technically it loads onto your computer locally, and then it's just going to loop itself. So it's starting the movie over again, as opposed to mm-hmm. maybe something that could stream it in a way. I don't know. But that file right. size thing is is going to be an issue when it comes to but the that, new, new that things that are coming I, up, like, like uh, you know, wearables and all the other things. Those are going to be more than right. 50 meg or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And that's why I gravitated towards Maker's Place because, again, I, like, love releasing, like, longer form cinematic pieces. And the only platform I can even do that on is Maker's Place because 50 megabytes is just so damn small. You know, I'd have to break up my whole short film into segments, and that sucks. Like, collectors don't want that. They want to see the full story, the single, you know, exclusive one-of-one kind of thing. Um, So, yeah. Uh, and then I guess one other thing that would be cool would be like curated galleries that are like themed. But uh, Illustrator is working on that. He's got a site called Sevens Foundation, and we're actually as a group get NFT doing uh, a curated gallery for his platform, which is really exciting. So we've got I've asked like twenty five of the biggest you know NFT artists to be curators for this, and. We're hoping to get over 100 submissions and then it'll be like culled down to like 77 kind of thing. But it's blind curations, which lets the art speak for itself. And the theme is distorted reality, which I think is a really cool theme. And so like that kind of thing, like creating creating a gallery that has a theme that hasn't really been done. And it seems like such an obvious thing, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, like. A, that's like the kind of thing you'd want to see is like a, a group of artists coming together to make a big collab in some way, whether it's like a collab on color where the, you know, I don't know if you saw that one recently. Um, <clears throat> it was this artistic collab on Behance that had nothing to do with NFTs, but everybody had to make a certain color render. And then when they were all put together, it created a gradient of pink from the top left to the bottom right of like slightly different shades of pink. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was so cool. And like, yeah, you've seen that. Mm -hmm. So that kind of thing could have been an NFT project and would have been amazing. And I'm sure collectors would have gone absolutely crazy for it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So... Yeah, and also I think collaborations yeah. are on the rise, like what you're working on, and I think, like yeah. I said, I've had a few artists reach out to me to collaborate, and we're working on a couple of pieces. I think that's that's a great way to to grow the space and to Absolutely. collaborate with other artists, have collaboration, collaborate with collectors, um, provided you know the collectors are artistically inclined, and just grow this grow the space. Be like you said, you know, create the new genre, create that, yeah. be that piece, and then and then let 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 the let the users decide the value. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The other thing that would be cool that Tim is also working on, kind of like Tri Show Time, where you can bring, like, it's like a hub for all of your NFTs. Anything that's in your wallet, even if it's across different platforms, will get kind of aggregated. But Tim's actually got a thing where he's working on this, where uh, you can pick any NFT on any platform and put it into a gallery as if it's like a wish list or like your favorite NFTs or like, so you can create almost like Pinterest galleries of NFTs. That's cool. That's fucking, that's really cool, man. That's awesome. Really, really cool. Mm -hmm. That's all I got. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was more than five. So I'm curious to know, uh, David and Peter, um, how many how many NFTs do y'all do y'all know how many NFTs you have? No, yeah, I've got I've got about seventy at the moment. Wow. No about ten of those That's ten true. of those are cubes though. Ready to burn. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Do you know about the burn? It's so, the POC one, the right? POC thing. Yeah, so he yeah. created this thing. So I don't know, this is almost hard to describe, but like 
so he created his his drop was basically using cubes as a currency almost where mm-hmm. if you bought five cubes each one was five hundred dollars on the first day each day mm-hmm. of the three days they increased to uh five hundred dollars so the first day was five hundred second day thousand third day you can only buy cubes for fifteen hundred so that was weird in and of itself mm-hmm. um and then beyond that if you bought five cubes that would become an nft as a five cube thing meaning like it's a different nft like you were instead of giving given being given um five individual nfts of cubes you were given one nft of five cubes and he did this up to a thousand cubes so justin sun for instance purchased like one point or almost a million dollars worth where he got a single nft of a thousand a single nft of 500 a single nft of like 250 you, you get the idea right sure so so what that means, though, is that it was actually hard to get the individual cubes. Uh, and so you could only get oh. four individual cubes because that's any more than that. And they would convert to a five cube thing. Right. Right. Oh. So so the individual cubes there, I mean, there were still like four or five thousand of them, but there weren't nearly as many as, you know, were actually technically purchased because, you know, they were converted upon delivery. So mm-hmm. but then um what he did after that was he released this site called burn.art where he's encouraging people to burn their NFTs, light them on fire, mm-hmm. you know, which just means send them to like a vault or a wallet where nobody can access them again, basically. Mm-hmm. So, but if you burn a POC NFT, you're given extremely more ash. So this is a new cryptocurrency called ash and you can only get okay. it through burning. Right. So it's he's like burn. He's like burn NFTs to make to get ash to burn to get more NFTs. So like certain NFTs that he makes in the future, you can only have ash ash. with ash. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, ash. Oh my gosh, that's smart. That's so smart. The other crazy thing, yeah. So Pac's obviously a genius at the market dynamics. So that's the other thing about him. People don't understand is it's not just like his weird black and white renders and whatnot. It's the mystique around him. It's that he un- he built Archelect, which is that AI curator. Uh, and then it's like, you know, his understanding of the market and the secondary, you know, market and all you know, that stuff. It, it's not just the fact that and, he comes up with the idea because like, I think any stoner could be like, man, you like burn the NFT <laughs> yes, and then it's the yeah. ash and you pay for it with the ash. <laughs> but like, honestly, like to actually execute all of that is ridiculous. Yeah. 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 It is, it is ridiculous. Um, and, and so like, and the other crazy thing is that as, so when he first launches this site, uh, the first number of cubes that are burned will return much more ash than future cubes. At some point it will plateau down to like, say at first you get maybe 900 ash per cube. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then later you only get a hundred ash per cube. Mm. Uh, and also like, again, his NFTs, That sucks, nah. Ash. His <laughs> NFTs are the ones that you want to burn because if you burn any old <laughs> NFT, you might only get like one single Ash versus like the five or 900 get for burning his NFTs. So that's right. why the individual cubes are so valuable because they're the cheapest ones. And then if you burn them, you get a lot more Ash in return. But the idea is that as more and more Ash gets, you know, in the ecosystem, the the cubes also get more scarce. So people that are holding the actual cubes, the value will go up. And so Ash maybe starts here and cubes start here and then they eventually level out. So it's just playing really insane dynamics with the market. Yeah, great gamification. Yep. 
Do you want to talk about Cryptobiotica and how he turned oh, yeah. NFTs into uh, Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, you should do that. So I don't know yeah. if we should say who's behind Cryptobiotica. I don't know how. I mean, uh, we yeah, did we'll, last we'll, week. So kind of. okay, Let's, we'll, no, we'll, cool. just, we'll just okay, from now on. Ross. For, no, no, it's okay. cool. It's okay. Ross. You know? Okay. Well, I, I will say I, that I have reached out. Him. So on our Discord server, he like goes fully into character and talks mm-hmm, about right. the lab and like looks over oh to like gosh. get responses yes. from other lab members yeah. and like <laughs> speaks in the we. He always speaks in like the third person. It's it's fucking hilarious. We He's have amazing. been talking we, uh, with their marketing team and a representative from Cryptobiotica <laughs> will be on the show uh, May 24th, <laughs> yes. I think. I'll have amazing, to double check that, amazing. but it's, it's on. it's coming up on the schedule, so. Peter, have yeah. you seen Cryptobiotica? No, I haven't. Someone link me to this after we're done and we'll definitely check it out for sure. Yeah, he's yeah. he's built yeah. a whole site around it and he's got this cross-pollination mechanic with um basically he's got these like or you know, these digital life forms that were discovered on the blockchain. And then when you have two in your wallet, you can cross-pollinate them. Uh, and you basically send a, a fee of ETH to a wallet and then the the next one gets um, beamed directly into your your wallet. So the next generation is spawned, and then you get to name it, uh, and it has properties from the two different ones that could even be like sound attributes and like you know they move in different ways. Yeah, it's really cool. And I think Lewis posted something about this recently. Yeah, yeah. did you purchase one recently? Yeah, so I bought bought two of them, then I cross bred them, and then I created a new life form, and so I got to name it, and so I named it after myself. Yeah, uh, because. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Ego. How much? Yeah, how, like, much <laughs> how much are they? Uh, so it's uh, they it have depends. different prices. There's different editions. So like sometimes it'll be like an edition of twelve. Some like the one of one is obviously the most valuable, but like they're different mm-hmm. side di- edition numbers, and they're like to some degree it's determined by the first person that buys them, like what the price is set at. But it also makes sense. They're internally consistent with like how much they cost. Yeah. And where do you yeah, purchase so- them? Maker's um, place. Maker's place. Yeah, just okay. search search Cryptobiotica. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it's a really fascinating project. And um, the other interesting thing is he. So after you per, after you create your your species, you get to um, if you want to, you can have a monopoly on the stock. So so Luis here like bought all of the rest of them, and he offered. You're allowed to do that for only 0.1 ETH each. So then basically people have to come to you on the secondary market and purchase from you. Um, so you're given almost a stake in this whole project, uh, which is, to me, is really cool. He's really thought this out in, a, in a super this, clever way. The website, like, look at yeah, all this. Yeah, the website, like the welcome page, like all of it's like so, you know, like there's so much detail he put into Diagrams it. I'm really impressed. Yeah. Yeah, I was telling him that this is called unfiction, like his uh, determination to stay within character and never uh, There's change. Billy's. That one on the right is Billy's. It's called, he, he called it Midnight Popple. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I'm, just, it I'm looking at Midnight you know, Popple now, and I'm like, man, I was, it's accepting offers, so I'm thinking about making one. And Louis Miranda, I can see your one. Yeah. <laughs> I have four. You can, you, also, buy one. you can also buy some from the first generation. You know, they're probably cheaper. But yeah, you could buy one as well uh, from Billy. Um, super interesting. I will say that yeah, when we when we reached out to to schedule the show, literally, um, this is that was not a joke. We literally got yeah. an email from the team at, at cryptobiotica.com you know, yeah. asking us what we needed to do to connect us with the, the right representative. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. 
so Billy and I, we're going to try doing this thing where we're going to co-discover a, a new species. So we'll split oh, the awesome. breeding cost, and oh. we're going to both supply, I'm going to supply my Luis Miranda, he's going to supply his Midnight Bobble, and we're going to combine them. And then whatever comes out, we're going to name it together, and then we're going to split the offspring evenly between us. You have a gender reveal party for it, too? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Only if a bunch of people's houses get set on fire. That was, that was the call of the podcast, dude. That was the best. <laughs> funny. Okay, yeah. so let me get this straight. So if I buy one of these... Yep, yes. or I, I, I have to buy two. What do yeah. I do? Then do I send it to them? No, and then no, they get once they're both in your wallet, you go onto the site and there's a MetaMask, <clears throat> there's a wallet where you send a specific amount of ETH. So you can send 0.1 ETH if you just want to crossbreed between two similar species and then the attributes aren't that different. But if you want them to actually like fully cross pollinate, then it's like 0.35 ETH or something like that. Who, um, who determines if they're similar attributes? Like, is there a website where you can actually check? Yeah, it just tell the you website, that they're not. There are like percentages, I think, but again, like with that 0.35, like they cross pollinate and then they, they do take on very different attributes in the next generation. They're indicative of both previous, both parent species. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty interesting. Each NFT has um, all these different stats around it. And oh, and they have a QR code that you can like just pull it up and yeah, it's super smart. Man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, so Luis, what did you buy? Which ones did you do in order to cross pollinate yours? Okay, so I bought a, a shimmering quarry, which I believe is only three or four. Four, uh, yeah. And then I bought a shifter, which was uh, addition of twelve. And so, uh, so I noticed that nobody had those two combinations. So I went ahead and crossbred them, and I got that uh, buckyball. Oh, sorry, it's um, I don't know. It, it looks like two pyramids uh, stuck together. So will you always get a new uh, thing, or I'm, uh, once you do it that, will, it'll uh, always two? be new. But it's not as the attributes aren't that different if it's from two of the same species and you pay less. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it will be very unique if you pay a bit more, basically. So it has yeah. to do with like the random seed, somehow. Right. Yeah. Somehow. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great business model. I actually think the way he's done <laughs> yeah. it, so you. You know, yeah. obviously he, he he's netting the pollination costs, which is mm. which is great. He I hasn't been. I have a picture. <laughs> I have a picture of of our baby Chelsea and I made this uh, together. Oh, nice. This digital creature. Raw, uh, I mean, Cryptobiotica just sent this to me <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Actually, today. I'll post it in the dingus so you can show it. Nice. I haven't named so, it yet. So Whoa, what are you gonna name it? Oh, that's oh, great. I, know. I, have to, I have to talk to nice. my wife. You know, I can't name so, it. So so wait, so. you name it and then. Does does Cryptobiotica post they it on Maker's you, Place? No, they yes. send you an addition directly to your wallet. So you get one addition, mm-hmm. for not for free, but that's the cost Like when you send that cross-pollination fee so that you're basically buying an okay. additional NFT. But then you also, if you want to, can purchase the rest of the stock. You also get to determine the number of additions. So you, say, you can say, this is an addition of three. Uh, and then each, you know, and then I want to buy the rest of them, or the other two for 0.1 ETH each mm, is okay. yeah, the option. That so that's a cool it is. I don't know how it moves yet. I don't know how it moves. So, um, oh, wait, yeah. now are the movements different as well? Yes. Yeah. 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 Nice. Yep. Okay. So mine were all uh, cubes that were kind of shifting, 
but then others are, you know, like, um, what is it, like a metaball? And so it's a bunch of weird, like, volume stuff going on. And so I'm curious what would happen if you combine uh, the volume one with the cubes and see what comes out afterwards. Yeah. Totally. And does he use a program, or does he actually sit there and then make it himself? So obviously it's all automated, so it would happen essentially in real time once you pollinate. It, well, no. He, so what's happening behind the scene is he's actually going into Cinema 4D, considering. Don't tell like, us how uh, the sausage is made. <laughs> right, sorry. Right. No, no, he's <laughs> like, la, 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 la. He's, <laughs> you know, he's figuring out like what a thing would look like that's a combination of those two. Like he's he's putting the time and the effort. So yeah. it does take like probably a week to create that new species. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, so it's period. not instant. It's not instantaneous. That's no. right. So, yeah. Okay. But that's because the lab has to research it, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, but when I was like thinking, when I he like revealed it, I was just like, this thing is fucking like genius, and so I yeah. wanted to immediately get it on it. So totally. I think when he's on, he should be like himself through the regular podcast, the non-NFT part. And then switch and I into totally switch, agree. And then he's the Lab representative. Mode. I don't know, man. Like he he does not break character. Hello, he's he's a, a, welcome like, to even, the drop. Yeah, yeah. He takes off the glasses. Direct messages. He doesn't break character. He's still yeah. like, yeah. He's like because he's he, he like has worked so hard on this thing that he's convinced himself that it's real. So he's like just you know speaking from that perspective constantly yeah i have to go like hey you can you can talk to me normal like how much money do i need to send you and yeah. he's like all the lab i was like okay okay i get it <laughs> <laughs> nope nope there's a typewriter yeah. on the other desk and it has a message written on it and you walk up and it says feeling fine and then you realize he's gone insane with madness and this he really <laughs> believes it now yeah. All work and no play makes yeah. makes Ross something something. Go crazy. Something. Don't so mind if fun. I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So <laughs> oh. I've actually got a couple more questions for. for oh Peter. man, I have got to go to bed. <laughs> oh, no. Well, Dude, ask ask you your, ask your two questions yeah. and then we'll and right, then right. I can go to bed. Yeah. So like Definitely. when you're so when you're like checking out an artist um you know are there any big red flags like for you where you're like That's i love this question. piece of art but i don't know if i want to buy it because of x reason mm -hmm. maybe it's because they've indicated or you you feel like they're just doing this on the side and they're not in it for the long run you know because you know that's a big thing like you want to see artists like committing to the space saying they're going to do this full time uh and then going through with that so yeah I don't necessarily think you need to commit to doing it full time. I just think you okay. need to commit to be forever involved. So you right. don't need to commit to doing it full time. But if you're forever involved and you're a lover of the space, and I sense that you're a lover of the space, and there's no mm -hmm. signs in your artwork or in your profile, whether it be Twitter or whatnot, that indicate to me that you're just trying to shill for a quick grab. Like I actually can't remember who it was, but I, I made a, I made a post about how like you know happiness is being successful so just be happy with what you're producing and then you are successful um and then someone else came back to me i can't remember when it was saying about how like no man this space isn't going to be around forever it's about cashing in as much as you can as quick as you can and yeah, i can't I remember who it was but i'm like man that's i'm never gonna buy your art dude like that's yeah that's a shit that's a shit attitude absolutely yeah. uh and then another one i've got is like so how long is it courteous for an artist to sit on a bid because when I don't, That's a lot of people question. don't know this. A lot of people don't know this, but when you make a bid, that money goes into escrow. So, for instance, if it's ETH, it goes, it actually goes into escrow, and you can't access it. Um, 
or if it's a credit card, it appears as a hold on your credit card. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time there's this anxiety when you've got some bids that, oh shit, I need to accept one of these within like 24 hours or else maybe they're going to pull it and that's going to reset, you know, back down to zero. So there's this risk reward. Okay, so this happened with me and my Vitaly piece. So I've, I've purchased a couple mm-hmm. pieces from Vitaly. If, if he's you're aware amazing, of that. he's amazing, artist. and he's such yeah. a good dude, man. And on top yeah. of the piece, when I purchased Scout Dog, he sent me an autographed piece, an autographed figure of the oh, Scout. Oh, so cool! Which was amazing. Um, and he's just a gentleman. But when I made a piece on his first last token piece, which ended up going on to sell for like you know nearly fifty ETH, um, I think I was somewhere around the twenty ETH mark, and it was sitting there for a while. But he approached me within like two days. Um, because mm-hmm. I was starting to think, man, this is obviously not an, uh, a figure that he's happy with. Um, you know, this is 28th that I can't use, I can't put into do, I can't do nothing right. at the moment. So he approached me, he's like, he's super grateful. And this is a, this is what I'm, I'm suggesting other artists do. Like, if you yeah. don't necessarily agree with it, speak to speak to the collector and say, look, this is the figure I'm kind of aiming for. Yep. Are you capable? If not, that's fine. I'll reject the bid so you can get your ETH back. Um, don't wait too long because then, you know, it is a, it is a little bit... For me, if, if Vitaly didn't reach out and I was left with that ETH in escrow for like yep. 10 days, that would, have, that would have frustrated me a little bit. Absolutely. It is a significant yeah. amount of money. I think that's yeah. really important. And I've done that too. Like actually, I, I just sold my uh, Star Wars Harry Potter piece for I think 7 ETH. Um, but the first bid that was put in was one of my collectors, Super Top Secret is his name. Uh, and he started it at 3 ETH and it sat there and nobody else bid on it. Um, and so I just approached him directly. I was like, hey, dude, I think this is worth more. And, you know, or he was just he was immediately like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, like amazing. I just wanted to kick it off. But, you know, at that point, you're coming at it like I want to make a direct sale to this person. And this is the number I think that it's worth. And do you do work you agree? From yeah, yeah, work, work from, from there. there. And, yep. you know, and he was like, yeah, absolutely. Let me you know, he was like, I need to tra- move some things around and I'll have it to you tomorrow. And then he ended up actually coming back the same day and buying the piece for for 70th. So yep. that's you know, that's a really good way to work. And that's why it is important to establish these connections directly with collectors that are sure. not just to like go around, like wanting to, Hey, you're a collector. I want to connect with you. Cause that's like, that's kind of like shady. You know, it's, it's more like if somebody's bidding on your piece and they're interested in your work, then connect with them. Oh, that's you know? never, absolutely. That, that's a green light. Definitely connect mm-hmm. with us. If we've, if we've made a bid on your piece, then we're obviously interested in your art. We're interested in you. So there's exactly. no way we're going to turn you down if you approach us. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, that's, that's awesome. how our relationship started, uh, Kosti and I. Like, yeah. you put an initial bid, then we like chatted about it, and you know, came to an understanding, and it was really awesome uh, to actually have that sort of conversation. Yeah. So. Super grateful, man. Grateful for that piece, dude. It's amazing. It's an amazing piece. But it's an, I've actually it's done, I've I've done that with quite a few artists. So like, and it's just not it's not it's not a strategy. It's absolutely not a strategy. It's it's like I I put in a price, and as a collector, I think you're always going to. You're going to price what you think it's valued at, but you're also trying to get it for the price that you know you feel like you can afford or you want to pay. Um, and sometimes that's not in the ballpark of what the artist expected. So, you know, mm-hmm. I very much encourage that discussion. You know, and then nine times out of ten, I end up lifting my price up to something that's closer to what the artist expected. Without a mm-hmm. reserve price, without a reserve price, you know, as a collector, we don't, or unless you've got a history of selling within a certain bracket, as a collector, we're not, we're not going to know, we're not going to know for sure what you value your art at. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Interesting. So, would you recommend having reserves on like Maker's Place? Um, I got asked this question actually a couple of days ago. Well, doesn't it kick in an auction? If you place a reserve, then it ki- isn't that the auction feature where if it hits that reserve, then it goes to a forty-eight hour auction or something? 
or just a reserve and you can purchase at that cost. So you can't okay. purchase. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. so that's more of a fixed price thing. And that I've actually made, when I first got into Maker's Place, I made that mistake. I put one of my pieces for 10 ETH uh, and that was actually the one that sold the cheapest out of all of them that 88, that 88 bought. Um, Cause I didn't realize that if you put a price on it, that that's exactly the amount that someone can just buy it for. Um, yeah. So he just scooped that up. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that, that could be a good strategy if you're, you know, if you're like, I want to sell it for this much, and then that's also communicating how much you think it's worth. Um, Again, I, I think usually it's do. Sorry, sorry man. Sorry, I, think it's, I think it's important to to just factor in where your your you sit on the timeline of your your time in the NFT space as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, if it's your first piece and you're just entering the space, I do yeah, recommend exactly. just having having a reserve and just kind of getting started there. Um, and then, you know, as you start to have consistently high volumes of bids, then you can mm-hmm. kind of just leave it open and people can do their own research. They can see your previous sales and they can go from there. Yeah, you will, you, you'll get you get the odd dude that's like completely lowballing you that just like offers you 200 bucks. You just ignore right. that. Right, I mean? exactly. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Personally, I've found like the fixed price is great for additions because like, you know, then you're, you're making sure that each piece is, is valued the same and collectors can just come and scoop them up. Um, and I find that easier. Obviously it costs a bit more because you have to, there's an additional fee for listing a a piece for, uh, yeah, each one has a fee to both mint mint and list. Um, But I think it's worth it because then you're saying, I'm selling this for, say it's one ETH, each edition is one ETH, you know, maybe some, some, one strategy I've seen some people do that are in high demand, like Alex Marks, for instance, is they'll list a price for editions two through five, for instance. Uh, and then on the first edition, they let they let there be a bidding war, basically, because that's more, um, you know, people like the first edition the most. It's the most valuable, typically. So, uh, and that also, like, kind of drives up the price in general. And, um, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, I think I've um, got to work on a project and Matt has to get to bed. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I'm actually, actually I've got to work on a project and then get to bed. Oh, oh, you nice. got to work too. That sucks. Yeah. 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 This is a really fun conversation. Yeah. By the way. Yeah, yeah, I I know it's and I know it could go on for like it two could. more hours <laughs> because <laughs> anytime we've got David Ariev on, he's <laughs> talking about stuff that he really enjoys. Yes. That's true. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, why don't we plan on doing another one of these at some point? Because I feel like sure, as things sure. develop, we're really going to be able to just, uh, there's so much, we could go many, many, many more hours. So mm-hmm. uh, let's, yeah, absolutely. let's plan on doing that. Cause I feel like this was a really great conversation. I can't believe it's been two hours already. So, Damn. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, before we go though, uh, just everybody tell the audience where people can find you online. If they want to chat with you or check out your work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wants to go first. <laughs> go for well, it. me, you can find me on MoGraph.com. Right. Um, yeah. I'm on Twitter at Matt Milstead, uh, un- uh, Instagram underscore Matt Milstead, and uh, thanks man. foundation. But I, I only thanks, had man. one piece. Yeah. That already yeah. someone already bought it. Yeah, and we got I'm the on TikTok. Twitter, dude. Yeah, so we got the TikTok. See, I'm yeah. trying to trying to get down there. I'm there right here. Um, that at Peter Costi on Twitter. <clears throat> I'm awesome. David Ariev, and you can find me at arievvisuals.com or on my Twitter, which is just David Ariev, my name, uh, Instagram. I'm also makersplace.com slash David Ariev. And I've got 
couple big drops coming up on on May 25th. I've got uh, a Maker's Place drop. Um, I'm going to use the Down on the Render Farm stuff for that. Cool. Awesome. Which is a big one of one short film, as well as uh, several other smaller pieces that I've been developing. Uh, and then, and then uh, my Nifty drop is June 8th, and I think I'm going to do some mirror boxes for that since I love those so much. Like more oh, like nice. the box work, man. Thank you, thank you. I, I think I'm going to do more like that techno style mirror box that's tightly synced mm-hmm. to the music because I just mm-hmm. love doing concert visuals. I did one of those. Yeah. It's called um, Mind Warp that 888 picked up. Um, so that's on my maker's place. You can check out that style. But I think I'm going to do a whole kind of set of those with just different timings to to the music and different tracks that I really love. So that should be fun. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, well, my name is Luis Miranda, and you can find me at Luis Miranda. 4D, uh, pretty much in all of my social medias, including uh, Maker's Place and also Foundation. Uh, I don't have a drop coming up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do want to uh, yes. say something, yes. and that is that my uh, my not Five Nights at Freddy's video uh, has hit uh, over a million views. Yeah, and wow. I think that's hilarious because mm-hmm. I also have it listed and nobody's bought it. But whatever, yeah. it's that's funny <laughs> but I, I, I like that it hit a million views and I think that's uh, awesome especially considering that I started out sure. uh, doing tutorials and now you know this one video ended up taking me over to 10,000 uh, subscribers so anyways yeah, amazing yeah, and your that's TikTok. Awesome. You got your TikTok. Yeah, dude, your TikTok oh, yeah. blown up. Yeah, yeah. I also crazy. have a TikTok. I'm at 58k uh, on that one. And, nice. Uh, also because of that. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yep. And, you can uh, follow please. us on TikTok as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mograph.com. You can see uh, Dorpy and his adventures. Dorpy's adventures. Um, we didn't Dorpy's get to meet adventures. Dorpy today. He's like an essential yeah. part of the drop. Yeah, he doesn't, what's going on he with doesn't that, usually show up to the, the nighttime specials. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's sleeping on he's a tired his doge. doggy doggy bed right now. Yeah, he's nice. you know, yeah. and dreaming of NFTs. I yeah. want to thank you for making it happen and like working with the with the time zone. So I know it's hard for you guys and you know, this is this is normal lunchtime hour for me, but you guys are probably ready to bed. Now we're we're we'll working for do. a little bit longer and then we're going to bed. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. 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 Awesome. Look guys, it was it was a pleasure and we'll definitely do it again. Yeah, awesome. yeah man. Definitely. Well, great to great to meet you and talk to you, man. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Yeah, yeah. Take cool. Us, take us well, out, if uh, yeah, if anyone's got any, uh, if anyone in the community has any drops coming up, feel free to shoot us an email info at mograph dot com. Uh, we'll make sure to feature your work on one of the uh, upcoming episodes of the drop. Uh, join us every Monday for the Mograph podcast at noon Central Time. Um, where uh, just the normal MoGraph podcast, and then afterwards we hit up the drop. So uh, awesome. Thanks, y'all, for joining us. You can check us out, MoGraph.com, pick up some of our merch, or uh, hit us up if you have any questions. Until next time, I'm Dave. Or I'm Matt. I'm Matt. <laughs> <laughs> it's backwards. I'm Dave. You guys are basically... I'm Matt. Serious. There we go. There you go. She's got it. Take care. Bye. Later, yo. Is this the fucking mic? This is exactly what I should be doing.